Hey everyone, welcome back to the BMX in our blood. Sorry for a little bit of extra time between episodes. Hopefully you use some of that time to go back through the feed and look through some of the previous podcast that you may not have been able to keep up with or listen to because it's uh, it's a lot of hours of listening. Uh, so I have heard from a few people that it's a little tough to keep up with, but they really like the content. So uh, I think giving it a little more time between podcasts is a good idea if we're going to keep them long and interesting, which they always are. Also, thank you to Keith Mulligan for making himself available only after an awesome trail session down at Kiko on Long Island, the trails of Superfly and a bunch of great locals. Uh, I went down for their Whammo Wednesday before interviewing Keith and it was, it was awesome. Just so many cool people there. Uh, Eight guys from France were there. There was over 30 of us riding and it was just awesome. So yeah, shout out to Darren Reed and Trail Surf. He's from down Shotgun Trails in North Carolina, I believe. Darren's from the Northwest. So that was super cool seeing these guys as well as lots of others that I apologize I can't remember at the at the moment. Well, Vinny G, there's one that I should have mentioned. But uh, anyway, great time. Wouldn't have had any other way before heading down to Richmond, Virginia on Friday afternoon through Sunday for the DIY World Championships put on by FBM Bikes, Steve Crandall, Powers Bike Shop, Profile Racing, and uh, maybe others. I apologize if I missed anyone, but it was a great time. A really packed weekend of fun and got to spend time with some people that uh, I'm not quite sure why they even let me hang around them. They're just amazing people like Stu Johnson, uh, John Lee, Steve Crandall, Matt Copeland, and Superfly, and all kinds of people. Plus people that I have met over the past year like Adam G. We're always shouting out Adam G, always. So uh, Adam and Declan Murray and, of course, Maddie Kramer and Scotty Kramer and Big Boy and um, uh, Vinny Menino and just so many good people. So I guess the reason I'm saying this is if there's a jam somewhere, do your best to make it. Don't be that guy that says, I should have gone because it's uh, these events are awesome and there's an awful lot of them lately, which is great. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and listen for a couple more coming up that came from that Richmond trip. One of them being Big Boy from the Scotty Kramer YouTube channel and the other being Chad Powers from the Powers Bike Shop, given a bit of his history of the shop and, of course, a trip through his museum, talking about the different things that he has collected between between bikes, uniforms, plates, magazines, just all kinds of incredible stuff. Probably one of the coolest things I saw is him him being Chad, finding the first magazine that Scotty Kramer was ever in, which is uh, what Scotty was looking for. And it was so cool because, of course, he found it. 
Chad did and shared that with Scotty, which was very cool. Very cool to see and very cool to to witness happen because uh, Scotty was pretty pretty pumped on it. So anyway, lastly, don't forget to go on to Powers Bike Shop Instagram and watch for the post for this episode. So there'll be a picture of Keith Mulligan and I. Like it and tag a friend. You will be in the running for whatever Chad is giving away this week. A lot of people have won some really cool stuff so far. So very cool of Chad to do that. Very cool of Chad to sponsor the show as well, which I very much appreciate. And also a big thanks to the people that donated this week to the show, which is hugely appreciated. It can only help the show get, I don't want to say bigger, doesn't need to be bigger, but it helps me get to some people that I believe you guys would like to hear from. So by the way, if you ever have a suggestion of someone you would like to hear interviewed, let me know. Either direct message me through Dad 2000 or put a message through the bmxinourblood.com website. So thanks everyone. See you soon. Anyway, we'll get it kicked off and then I gotta figure out where I'm gonna start with you. Welcome to the BMX and our blood, Keith Mulligan. Thank you. I appreciate you doing this. And Thank thanks you, for Joe. letting me know you're gonna be around so I could catch you. <clears throat> well you mentioned it a while back and it's you know, I would have felt bad if I didn't let you know I was gonna be Yeah back here. So yeah, stoked uh-huh. to be here with you. Maybe Thank some... you, Superfly, for letting us come to the shop. Yeah. Stoked you guys are here anytime. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the podcast, obviously. <laughs> Superfly's been awesome. He's hosted a couple, right? Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, your, your own, and then <laughs> Nuno's. Nuno's, yep. And Nuno's. Uh, it's good doing it here on Long Island too, which is uh, it's nice just being home. And like I've listened to all the podcasts. I haven't listened to all of them, but I've listened to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And all the first ones I did were like all the Long Island guys. Mm. So it's like all pretty rad. I, I forget who I was talking with, but. You know, it's 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 hard to find the time to listen, mm-hmm. but you make the time, and um, I love it because it's like listening to all the Long Island ones. It's like you're listening to all the guys you grew up riding with, telling stories that you were there for most of them, or you heard, you know, a lot of it. But I get to hear my friends talking that I don't get to see that much. So it's like I, I enjoy that aspect of it. You know, it's like oh, I haven't seen him in a while, but I can uh-huh. listen to him, and it's like kind of. It feels cool. That's really good to hear. I appreciate you saying that because what I believe I'm doing is the right thing. And I get lots of really cool feedback. And I love hearing that. I know I, I kind of have a, a little bit of a busy week because I'm going to go down to Richmond on Friday. So you probably, you were over at Ted's and I'm like, oh shit, I should be that at Ted's. I could do this now. And then uh, I, I'd forgotten for that moment why we do this where we do it you know what i mean which is on long island and i could do endless long island connected interviews because we all know that long island was the best place to <laughs> to go to to probably you know i should i'll go out on a limb because i i didn't live here but or grew up here but probably the best place to have grown up you know in as far as bmx goes we had a good scene that's for sure yeah, I mean, I think I have half of the uh, Shore and BMX Country team right here, <laughs> right? Like, 
one point. I mean, were you on at two soups? Yeah, yeah. Towards yeah. the yeah. end. There's it took a, a long time. We probably weren't on at the same time, but... No, no, you were yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, <clears throat> Keith Terry, who's with us. Um, I remember him, for some reason, New Haven, the worst national ever. The but indoor one. It the indoor like one. Winter, it was oh, mud. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. I didn't race because I was hurt, but I remember like, oh, I'm glad I'm not racing this. But the one thing I do remember, mostly because it's it's photo, um, I have a picture of Keith rocking that SBMXC <laughs> uniform, and that stood out in the mud, man. The contrast of that uniform in the mud. The brightest neon yellow uniform <laughs> in existence. Oh, someone uh, has a question about that too, and I believe it's Timmy. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get to it eventually, but... Um, so yeah, Long Island's awesome, it, and a lot of people have gone on to do things in other <clears throat> states from that are from Long Island. Yeah. So I think it's a testament to how much people <clears throat> that grew up in BMX from Long Island love it so much they stay in that field in some way. But uh, actually, that's kind of a good place to start, because you have been done on the magazine end for two years now? Isn't um, it? Probably a little more, maybe like four Maybe just over four, four and a half years, maybe. Oh, just over four, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, obviously, you know, I got, I gotta know what have you been doing since since that ended. Um, my wife and I have a business. Uh, we have a pet supply and groom shop in Laguna Beach, and um, my wife's been a dog groomer for over twenty, over twenty five years, and um, dog and cat pet groomer, yeah. and she started a groom shop um, in the back of a pet supply store in Laguna and long story short we had the opportunity to buy the store so mm-hmm. we ended up doing that while I was still at, at Ride mm-hmm. um, so you know we kind of started and owned this business while I was at the magazine and you know I still had that going full time and I would you know do whatever I could um, to help out you know sometimes it's work all day in the office drive an hour back and then go straight to the store and do whatever I could. Um, and then when, um, things came to an end at ride, um, kind of took a little bit of time and, um, trying to sort things out and would help out, you know, here and there. And then over the years now, I'm pretty much there like Monday through Friday, um, running the store part of it. She does most of the grooming end of it. We have employees, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as the owners kind of need to be there and, um, make sure everything's on point and um, I still do photo stuff I do freelance um, just not as much as you know I used to right um, but yeah there's like I don't really hunt for it but there's stuff that comes along and I'll shoot something I'll write something for various um, companies or people and, and stuff it sounds like the timing is pretty good <clears throat> yeah I mean as far as like when when we had the opportunity to buy that store we didn't know it was going to be up for sale, but we knew that the owner was kind of running it down. And I was like, Hey, if the opportunity comes, we should buy this. And, um, we did. And it ended up being, you know, in my mind, it was like, Oh, a nice little fallback in case, you know, things come to an end at the magazine, have something else. And that's kind of exactly what happened. But it, it's also weird cause it's not my, my passion or my thing, yeah, you know, I was yeah. never, thought i'd be selling dog food but right you know um that's kind of what what it is but it's great you know i'm not gonna not gonna diss it no no definitely not and i'm sure other people weren't 
as fortunate as you to have some kind of backup plan in place. <clears throat> so that's not what I expected you to say, but I thought... <laughs> what did you think I was doing? I thought it would be some kind of professional photography gig that you were doing. Maybe freelance, uh, but I thought that would be a full-time <clears throat> deal. Um, I would love to be doing nothing but photo work, mm -hmm. but when you own a business with your wife, you're pretty much obligated to do your part and you know it's like if I'm pulling a paycheck from that I have to be helping run that business and um, that was actually you know it was a little bit of an issue at first you know because it's like well you know I didn't ever plan on doing this it's more of like more of an investment and in, you know like a backup yeah for income mm -hmm. but you know timing wise um, there's not that much out there in BMX photo wise as far as you know, people paying for stuff and the, the companies that have money and <clears throat> pay money and can pay money, they have someone already. And I'm mm. not going to try to take someone else's yeah. thing from them or anything like that. Um, so I don't really, you know, I don't really like go after stuff. If it comes my way, I take it. Right. And um, I think it's also been like a nice break to just kind of not, not be full throttle um, doing stuff BMX wise. So... I, <clears throat> I remember on the on the interview you did with Dale Holmes, just talking about during the the height of like snap, we'll say, mm -hmm. you were gone for three weeks and then home for a week throwing the the magazine together, right? Yeah, and then back off again, right? And that was you know like eighteen years of that. Sure, but and that was the best. Like traveling is the best part for sure. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's like you if you're not traveling. You start to get that itch, and it's like I need to go somewhere. But then, if you're on the road for three weeks, it's like I need to be home. Right. And it's there's a balance you find, but um, traveling's awesome. You know, yeah, that's the, the favorite part. So photography is a it's turned into more of a hobby <clears throat> for you, from what I could see. Um, yeah, it's funny. I don't really shoot photos that much, um, for the fun of it, mm -hmm. because it, it's. I'm kind of either it's got to be all or nothing. Like if I shoot photos, I I approach it as like a professional way, like seriously, and I want to get the best things I can. And <clears throat> if you're, it's like I can't half-ass it. I need to either like use all my flashes and equipment and right. have my cameras and film and mm -hmm. digital and options, mm -hmm. or you're just kind of getting something for Instagram for the day, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do shoot things randomly just for fun. Um, but yeah, not, definitely a lot less on the work end. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reason I said that is I <clears throat> remember the trip for the, um, I believe it was the solar eclipse that you drove mm -hmm. a, a ways to find like <laughs> the perfect spot. And I was like, wow, that is so cool because you went, how far north did you go to find the... I drove to Idaho. Um, I want to say it was like 15 or 16 hour drive straight there. Mm -hmm. And, um... Driving back was like 23 hours or oh something um, because of traffic from right. everyone leaving. But yeah, that was that was like, a, um, like man, I want to shoot photos of this. Yeah. And that, that was kind of funny because I didn't plan on going, mm -hmm. but I kind of wanted to. And I mentioned it a couple of times to my wife. Mm -hmm. And um, the day of the day that I left, I I try to get um, those glasses that you need to like look at the eclipse mm, right. and nobody had them anywhere and yeah. then I found this place I think in Santa Ana that was like a telescope 
store and I heard they might have some. So I like went there and there's like three people in line woman in front of me gets the last pair and I was like damn oh it God. and wow. you know I was like there was this other this other material like mylar that you would use to cover a lens to shoot photos of the sun mm-hmm. and I was I had planned on buying a sheet of that so you know I, I was like getting a sheet of that and the guy behind the counter is like getting that ready for me mm-hmm. and on the shelf there was a pair of those glasses kind of just laying there but you could tell they were like older and used and I was like joking around I was like oh, I'll take those too and he's like He's like, actually, I got one behind the counter, and like, and he like really? pulled pulled one up. And he's like, you want it? I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so like, so you. like, as soon as he had that, he had like one pair, and it's like I got him, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to Idaho. So I like <laughs> went home. I was just so stoked that I came across him because you know if you wait till the last minute, nobody's got him. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. um, I basically just texted my wife. I was like, or called her. I was like, hey, uh. I think I'm going, and she's like, "All right, be back Monday for work by this time." Oh, jeez! So I like just threw stuff in my truck, sleeping bag, tent, grabbed the cooler, and hit the road to Idaho, and drove straight like 15 or 16 hours. Yeah. Um. Because to me, Idaho is the the most direct, closest spot of the, um, the. Uh, thing of totality you know i forget what they call it it's like the you know the the center line of the eclipse and um once i got up there i like found some website that showed all these cities Mm -hmm. that fell right in the uh oh it's the path of totality oh okay found all these cities that are like right in it and they showed how long each spot like the eclipse was for because it varies in different places Mm -hmm. and um i found this place mud creek and like went there and uh yeah shot shot some photos was it it was awesome. It was like one of the, one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed, for sure. Yeah. Um, Were there other people at that spot? Yeah, and it's it's funny because there's a town there. So I went to the town, and you can tell they're setting up, you know, hundreds and hundreds of porter johns, and they're expecting thousands of people to come to like view this, you know. And um, I was like, I don't want to be in this mess, right. you know, standing in like a football field with you know thousands of other people. So I went to this area of Mud Creek, and um, it's basically like a big lake or something, and I find this spot, it's all dirt roads, mm-hmm. and I'm walking down to like where the edge of the, the lake was, and this guy's walking up, I was like, oh, I'm just looking for a spot to shoot photos and camp, and he's like, oh, I shoot photos too. So we kind of talked to this guy, and he uh-huh. had done all this research, and um had all these notes on like what to do and how to shoot it and I went up there completely unprepared. So I was like, Oh, let me check this stuff out. You know, he was awesome. He gave me shared everything with me. And we ended up set setting up like ten feet away from each other. The next day was the eclipse. And I was like nervous because I was like, I don't know what to do and this guy's like got everything down to the half second of really? doing this and that and I was like, Oh man, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. And I read over all this stuff like through the night and like pulled it off so I got I got like photos that I really wanted to get that's uh-huh. like exactly what I wanted and I got like way more and better than I thought I would do so that was really cool but yeah that was that was awesome and that's that's the hobby part I was talking about so that was strictly yeah. for you right I mean you didn't yeah for sure okay. um it's not like I don't have a website where I sell photos or right. you know um yeah that was just more of like to experience that and try to get some cool photos mm-hmm. it's actually on my it's like my phone no way. Like. That's actually <laughs> it, right? Yeah. 
Dang. Yeah, I mean, there's so a bunch cool. of them, but yeah, I keep one as my like screensaver. Did wow. like that area get like like dark when the eclipse hit? Dude, it's crazy. It's like it's like very slow, like dim, <clears throat> dimming over like I don't know how much time, and then like right before it, it's like full eclipse. It it got like not pitch black dark, but it got dusk. Right. It dropped like twenty degrees. It got quiet, and uh-huh. <clears throat> it's like as soon as it's full eclipse, you can take your glasses off and look at it, and it's just picture you know sunset where it's almost dark, yeah. and you look up at the sun and it's like this ring with all these blazing like corona around, and it's like nothing you've ever seen in your life, right. and mm-hmm. it's like oh my god, and it's the fastest two minutes of your life. Like yeah. I'm shooting photos, and it's like you shoot a photo and change the the shutter change you know it's like yeah. every photo you're changing settings and i shot photos where my camera was on like a um you do it where you press it once and it opens the shutter and then you press it again and it takes the photo so you don't get like a vibration so it's like press yeah. press change the settings press press and it was like ah and it's like i really didn't get to enjoy it as much right. as i would have liked to because you're scrambling <laughs> but it was cool yeah because it wasn't that good over here it was like if you're not yeah. like in that path, yeah, it's mediocre, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if anyone this is another one in like I think it was seven years from last time. Mm-hmm. If anyone's like close to that, go for it, man. It's so cool. Yeah. I didn't so welcome to, to the uh, photography. <laughs> didn't expect to talk no, about no, it. No, I was just gonna say I, I wonder. I want to restart. I want to do well. Welcome to the photography in your blood. I'm here with uh, Keith Tara and Keith Mulligan. <clears throat> <laughs> and, and John Scavarla. People were expecting BMX. <laughs> we'll get to the BMX, everyone. But I got to tell you, this, this is uh, episode 54, and it may be the first one that my wife listens to because of exactly the conversation <laughs> we just had. All right. Because she's into that. Photography is awesome. Yeah. yeah but I mean, the, the uh, solar eclipses, lunar eclipses, just all of it is just really amazing. We've had a couple of uh, lunar ones that I've shot photos of, and mm-hmm. they're not as you know um, as awesome, but they're cool. <laughs> Bring BMX back into the yeah, picture. All right. This. Oh, and by the way, my apologies, everyone. No, no, it was awesome. You couldn't. I asked the question because that's what I was hoping for. I, we uh, it got good stuff out of that one. By the way, your your wife's name is Jessica. She also goes by Punky. Punky. Yep. Her uh, her nickname is. Punky, she looked like Punky Brewster when she was little, and she plays roller derby. And her roller derby name is Punk in the Trunk. Ah, that's. But it. she's trying to change it to something like Beef Jukey, but I'm not. I'm not into that. <laughs> to me, it should be Punk in the Trunk. <laughs> oh man, I thought she did roller derby, and then I was like, did I dream that, or did she really, does she really do roller derby? Has she done it for a long time? She's done it for over ten years. Um, she's good at it. She just blew her knee out, though. Um, about four months ago, she had surgery, so she's yeah. kind of dealing with the ACL recovery that all BMX people deal with, you know? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Uh, she'll come up later in this uh, in this podcast because I've got a question that involves both of you. Okay. It may be, um, if you ever listen to Pulp MX, it's going to be like the uh, Joe After Dark section, so... We'll wait until all the kids are asleep. On the BMX racing, when you first started, <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
Dale did a really awesome job covering a lot of that with you. So I would ask people to check out Dale's High Low podcast uh, to cover the the origins of BMX with you because it's it's pretty interesting. As far as I'm concerned, I, you started in '81. Mm-hmm. I started in '83, and the the wildest thing I've heard living in Connecticut uh, that I heard from you is that you raced at Lime Rock. Yep, uh, which was which is still is I drive by it every day on my way to work it's a real deal racetrack and they do open wheel racing they do vintage they do all kinds of stuff God, there was car racing there yeah it's big time they have a skip barber school there so you can go wreck one of their cars you can do whatever you want to the do the track's not there anymore is it you no know, no but when you say you race there uh, recently actually someone someone posted a picture on Facebook of, of someone going around some trees racing at Lime Rock uh, so that I crashed that around that tree. Cool. Did you? <laughs> Went in the main. Oh man! And it, was it kind of uphill a little bit, and then turned to the left? I think. Um, Not that I have a it. photo of the. I only raced there once. It was like some mm-hmm. kind of big race, and I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a photo of the main event. We're coming over the first jump, and I'm like winning by a knobby, and you can just see. Grass and rocks is the first straightaway, like, you know, coming down off the jump. And I remember you go around this first turn and there's a giant tree and the berm went around the tree Mm -hmm. and it was all just rocks everywhere. Like in that main event, I came around the first turn and just hit the rocks and just that was it, you know. Um, But that track had a drop off, like a real deal. You're going downhill and then just straight drop down a couple of feet. And when you're seven... That is like the biggest drop off in the world, yeah. but that was something really cool about that track. Mm-hmm. And recently, someone posted like Super Eight or Eight Millimeter film footage of that track. There's no sound to it, but someone on Facebook posted um, really? a couple of minutes worth of racing from there. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is!" I only went there once, and it was in like '81 or '82. But yeah, yeah it was super cool to see. Oh man, that it is had to be '81. I raced Southwick, you know, Southwick Motocross. Mm-hmm. They had a BMX track in their infield. Okay. And I think there were maybe six races. It went one season, if that. And it wasn't like every week, I don't believe. Uh, and it obviously was sand because that's all Southwick has is sand. Yep. So uh, the track was, was there for such a short time. It was, I don't even remember how the track, but at that time, you could start a race in any field anywhere and yeah. uh it's like hay bales or tires that they got from the you know the junk pile and they're buried halfway up <laughs> yeah. it's funny because people will comment on a track now and they're mm-hmm. like tracks back in the day were so much better yeah. it's like no they weren't no <laughs> it depends on when you're talking no. about but yeah there were some horrendous tracks back in the day oh, sure. and there's good oh, ones of course, but <laughs> there were plenty of horrendous. There's ones that people like. Ah, don't forget how bad some tracks were. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah um, it's funny because Connecticut had some rad tracks. Mm-hmm. I raced to Guilford. That uh-huh. one had a bridge, and they had a drop off there that mm-hmm. I remember. Um, there was a couple of other ones that I raced in the early '80s in Connecticut. One had a really tall starting hill. It was like in a rock quarry or something. Mm-hmm. That um, was Winston. That was kind of near, in the northwest corner of Connecticut, near Lime Rock, sort of. Bigger hill. Yeah. I bet that was it. I feel like every track I ever raced on in Connecticut, the last straight was uphill. (laughs) Like, like Bethel, like, last straight was uphill. 
we, terrible. We talked about Hal New Jersey today, and that last trade was always uphill, <laughs> yeah. and it still is, I guess. Right. I'm, I'm thinking there were only two, two tracks that I can think of modern day, you know, from, say, ninety mid-90s on, that had, like, it just at least flat. Right. I never raced a track in Connecticut that had any pitch down in the last straight. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. But yeah, there, there's been some, uh, there's, there's been some that, uh, had a little, a little more to be desired, but, um, yeah. So I wanted to touch on that because I always thought that was so, so cool that you raced a place that most people would have never dreamed of racing. It kind of reminded me of having, uh, is it Milestone that has the trails that were used mm-hmm. for the S&M anniversary? Yeah, Milestone, and, Motocross. Okay. And those trails are in the middle of the track? or There's, the there's multiple tracks there. And um, it's just this little pocket of trees that they built these jumps at for the S&M party. Mm-hmm. And then they've kept them. Yeah. And uh, Mike Saavedra um, added to them and kind of did some... Um, maintaining for a while i don't know how they are now i haven't been there for a few months but mm-hmm. um the track was kind enough to keep them there and um that's pretty awesome yeah. i went out there one time to ride and it's like early on a saturday and got out there and there's a million motorhomes and there was some huge event and uh they're like yeah you're not riding the jumps today there's like people camping all in there and stuff i was like damn it but yeah they're they're not like crazy trails they're mm-hmm. just fun but yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I remember watching video from the from the event. It looked pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm gonna pull up a uh, a follower question. Actually, I got the set of Clint Reynolds during his interview because I, I asked him. I said, "Hey, I'm meeting up with Mulligan. What do you got for him? You got to give me a question before we start recording." <clears throat> so it has to do with milestone, I believe. Okay. He says he wants to know the Moeller story behind. The flip you were supposed to do at your on your fortieth birthday, Mueller seemed upset about it. Milestone, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I had this, I had this vision of like, oh, it'd be awesome to do a backflip on dirt on my fortieth birthday, you know. And of course, like hadn't been riding enough dirt at the time. I think I'd just gotten back from a FBM trip and I'd put mags on my bike. If anyone's ridden with mags on your bike, it is like not easy to ride. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take them off. And um, all I wanted to do on my 40th birthday was ride my bike. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a birthday thing. It's like sure. it's your birthday, just ride a little bit, you know. And um, I ended up meeting up with Moeller at this uh, these trails called Regency, and it was like in the morning, like 10 a.m. We're riding, and it's just in your head, and it's like fuck supposed to do a flip on my birthday <laughs> you know didn't go to woodward and hit the resi at all you right, know right. but i still want to do it and um chris is like i don't think so man he's like you got time like you know you have a whole year of 40 and <laughs> just kind of like being like nah you shouldn't do this and um i was like ah, fuck it and uh i think zach kreshmas was there and i was like hey man can you just like hold the button down and i set up my camera and um He's like, all right. And, you know, just shouldn't have done it, but went for it and just got like stuck in that spot where it was like any further and I would have been in trouble. So I just launched my bike and, you know, like 
I have this photo of me and just flailing, <laughs> you know, my bike is just taking off uh-huh. and, um, obviously didn't pull it. And, uh, I was like, yeah, all right, we'll shelf that one for a while. Have you ever flipped on dirt? I flipped like the resi a bunch. I've never flipped on dirt. Yeah. So you had the mechanics of it down. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, all right, just go to Woodward, right. do a bunch on the, on the resi right. and then take it to a real jump. Mm-hmm. And I just never did that. But. Not that I fault you. I I wouldn't want to. (laughs) To me, it's like, it it's. I'm sure it's a lot easier than Mm -hmm. people think, and you know, most people like know backflip's not a big deal, but it's a matter of just doing it. You know, right? But yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it. So I think if he's saying milestone, he's wanting me to do one at milestone. But uh, oh, we were just guessing what place it was at. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the Regency Trails. Mm -hmm. Um, They call it Sandbox too, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if Milestone's the right spot for it, but it might happen one of these days. <laughs> Maybe I, I, 50, I w- 50th birthday. I would just leave it all to Matt Berenger and just let him do his front flips, and that satisfies everybody. Uh, those are awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> uh, all right, so that was the point question out of the way. All right, let me... Let me uh, I'm going to throw this one at you. Oh, with, one more thing. Just, sure. If go you're going to do it, take Mavs off your bike. Take Mags off. The rotation did not happen. <laughs> were these like the cheap plastic ones or or did no, you No, these were mandate? like Skyways, like real deal. They weren't graphites, but graphite. you know, I mean mm-hmm. they're heavy, they don't brakes don't work on them. Yeah. You know, it's like wobbly and weird. <laughs> but they look awesome. When I put Mags on again, mm-hmm. the first time like I was riding those Regency trails and it's you start up on a hill. Uh-huh. And I tap the brake and it's like I accelerated. I like, oh god. <laughs> Let's talk uh, photography because we have another photographer in the room. Uh, there's been so many. <laughs> hey, Superfly can be in the mix too, but I'm I'm putting you on the hot seat here because I'm. I was going to ask you. So amazing photographers have been around in your time, and before your time. Uh, and I just threw in a couple names: Blake Jones, Rob Delecki, Keith Tara, uh, Ted Nelson, Jeff Zielinski, Justin Cosman. Uh, which one do you identify the most with? Um, and probably the reason, because people may not understand unless you... Who do I identify the most with? Probably, I mean, Delecki might be an easy name because we both came from the Northeast. We raced each other. Mm-hmm. Like, at Nationals, we literally banged elbows. Yeah. And we both went on to, like, working full-time at magazines. Um so that's Keith would be the same thing like right. we grew up on Long Island together we raced at Shoreham together shot photos at the trails I raced um, in Superclass raced in Superclass <laughs> um, but then there's like Spike Jones was probably my biggest influence mm-hmm. and he was someone who was from the east coast he moved to California he worked at magazines so there's a lot of like parallels right um, I kind of identify with everyone a little bit and hey, by the way, we just came from a Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon jam at at uh, Kiko, and it was it was a, amazing, it was awesome. This this crazy guy that I'm interviewing takes his bike out of the out of the whatever DK golf bag or whatever he had, and, and then just first lap, no crap, just I was I was messing around with those freaking jumps for an hour before I even got to the third one. This guy pulls his bike out of the <laughs> out of the box and goes. Well, last time I was at Kiko was two years ago, and when I rolled up, I, I asked Soups, I was like, 
Way am I the same? He's like, yeah, pretty much. It's like, all right, we got this. You know? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, that's like the same with like Posh. I it's mm-hmm. five or six years in between visits sometimes, and I asked J Bo, and I'm like, how's quality? He's like, it's the same. I'm like, all right, here okay. we go. You know, and it's like next thing you know, I'm jumping quality, and it's a good day. It's crazy how oh. muscle memory is. Like you did not ride a pot for five, six years, but if it's the same as the last time, it's yeah. no problem. Well, and also like. You'll- I'll come back in the fall, yeah. we'll go to Kiko, and I might ride for an hour or two at the most, mm-hmm. and all I hit is that one line. So mm-hmm. it's like, you kind of have it, you know, if you can remember it well, and, yeah. you know, I took a peek at it when I got here. It's not like I hit it blind, but, <laughs> right, know, yeah, Kiko is always fun. And actually, it makes it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, because when I interviewed Brian Foster, I could have this wrong, but I believe what he was saying was he loves to go to mostly Posh. Because he knows exactly same same as you, he knows what he's going to get. He knows what to do. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about you know knock on wood any injury while he's you know finishing his doctorates in the last phases of it. So that's why he goes to Posh. Yeah, I mean you they're know, they're rebuilding they're rebuilding the trails every year, but they're rebuilding it exactly as it was. Mm-hmm. They're not changing it around and making new jumps. It's you know they just keep it how it is and yeah everyone everyone loves it you know mm-hmm. snap was the first magazine the name of the first uh, magazine publication you worked for right mm-hmm. snap and ride because they were at the same time right ride was doing ride was started uh first mm-hmm. so ride was like 92 i want to say uh-huh. and maybe snap was 93 94 okay maybe 94 so like Brad McDonald started Ride first, and the first few issues had some racing in Ride, mm-hmm. um, but it was more based on freestyle. And then Ride, uh, Brad started Snap, which was the racing magazine. That way, there's no, there's no racing in free, uh, in in Ride magazine. Uh huh. Um, so it was Ride was freestyle, Snap was racing. Gotcha. And then quick timeline, Snap turned into Transworld BMX. When that went away, there was just Ride. I got you. Okay. So you didn't do anything for Go or any of that? That was before your time out that way? Yeah. Go was, okay. um, Go ended in like 91, I think. And that I moved out to California in uh, 96. Okay. My question was, is uh, working in that, did you have to, within yourself, did you have to fight some biases of where you were, like East Coast? you know what's happening here you know how good the people are here did you have to fight the urge to like zone in on on people that you know was it difficult to choose what to publish even though you knew there may be something better somewhere else you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like maybe it wasn't exactly your style but you had to hit that spot you had to cover that area of the country the struggle is how much time you have to make a magazine Mm -hmm. and how many places can you really get to. So, you know, it's like I wanted to put as much East Coast stuff in as I could because there's so many good riders and good things and races and stuff. But reality is it's raining on the East Coast or it's wintertime, you're in California, it's sunny, it's 80. It's like, yeah, 
you go to Sheep Hills because there's 40 double A's on a Wednesday <laughs> night at Sheep Hills. Right. You're going to get something photo-wise or it's right. easy. That's where everyone rides, you know. And um, But I did a lot of trips back here as much as I could. And when I first moved out to California, uh, Steve Budendeck still did stuff for the magazines. So, you know, he would he would help out a lot with doing East Coast stuff. So he was either in um, North Carolina or Ohio, and um, he would help out a ton with getting photos and coverage from back here. Um, but it's tough. It's like you want you want to be back here doing as much as you can or in the Midwest and it's just reality is like it costs a lot of money and a lot mm-hmm. of time to travel and weather doesn't always cooperate um, but as far as like putting stuff in I didn't put stuff in I didn't want to put in there it's more of like you get as much as you can in the time that you've got mm-hmm. and then it's like that's what you've got to work with you know right um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's... Like I came back a lot, you know, and no, you did. Um, not just Long Island, but you know, I would go to PA. I would go um, all over the Northeast if I could, you know. As I mean, I knew to... grow, growing up, growing up here, it's like we had an awesome scene, right? And you know, Pennsylvania has it. You yeah, know, what's it's like? What's your opinion of the? So, looking at the United States, lower forty-eight as a whole. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Does, uh, and now that you're out of this this business, you could answer this probably <laughs> a little easier. But um, you've been all over. Do you still believe the the Long Island specifically, but Northeast in general is is a pretty rad area? Oh hell yeah! I mean, there's there's so much going on. I think there's spots everywhere that people mm-hmm. might not think about and know about. Like when I moved out to California. I ended up in the first year or two going up to Seattle and shooting photos with all the guys up there. And it's funny because Darren Reed was at the trails today. I met Darren 15 years, no, even more than that. Um, it would have been early, um, late 90s, like 90, like early when I moved out there, mm-hmm. 96 or 97, I went up there and he was like 15 years old. And I heard him say something today, like, Mulligan put the Northwest on the map. Like, I went up there and would do, like, a scene report, and there are so many good guys up there. You know, Darren, uh, Paul Kintner, Scott Matchwell, um, Chris Iman, um, Rama Fire. Like, there's all these dudes up there that nobody knew about, Mm -hmm. other than if you race nationals, you might know, like, Darren and and Kintner and Matchwell. But the trail scene up there was huge. And... So me going out there, you know, Scott Matchwell hit me up and he's like, hey, you should come up for this race and then do a thing. We got a lot of really good trails up here. So he's that already, opened right? my eyes. Um, he was always like Seattle area. I mean, um, he was our age. He was, he was a, a little, single A pro. I think, yeah, he's probably while, maybe a, a year or two older than me. I'm 45. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's not our age. <laughs> but um, that's, not your age. that's younger. No. Yeah. So, like, I think moving out there opened my eyes to other spots that I never mm-hmm. would have seen living on Long Island. Like, we didn't know about Seattle and the Northwest scene, yeah. you know. And then I would right. go to Phoenix, and it's like, you know, shoot photos with out, guys out there, and it's like they have the hardest conditions ever to have dirt jumps. Yet, in a dirt lot in the middle of the desert, they had a couple jumps, you yeah. know, and. Um, 
then I'd go to Denver and it's like, oh, there's trails here and it's like there's places yeah. everywhere. Right. But definitely northeast is, you know, everyone knows the trails mm-hmm. in this area, you know, like second to none. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll give the runner up spot to the northwest, <laughs> upper northwest. I'm just kidding. Um but yeah, that's that's pretty cool that you got to experience all those different scenes because uh we wouldn't know about them otherwise. No. You know. Never. And it's cool, so it's like, cool. guys like Darren, they make trips here, mm-hmm. you know, to go to Pennsylvania or come to Long Island. And um, that's one thing that's happened over the past, you know, couple decades. It's like the trail community, you want to go to other other people's trails and you want to see what they build and experience their spots. And especially with now, everyone can see what everyone else has got, you know. And right. it's like there's guys that their vacation is to go ride trail somewhere else, yeah. you know, and that's awesome. It is, you know, it definitely is. And I interviewed Satoshi recently. I mean, now we're talking. I mean, look at today. What were there six or seven French guys that showed up? Yeah. Eight. Eight. I counted eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. There's an, an Aussie. Yeah. 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 North Carolina. Yeah, Darren, yeah. Darren Reed. What trails? He was from Shotgun, right? Shotgun yeah. trails. Yep. Trail Surf. Shout out to Trail Surf. He was the guy with the number plate on. Just making it through, and it was awesome. I don't know if he's up here alone or what the deal is, but. It's so cool. So yeah, if, Vinny yeah. G was there. Yeah. Oh, ghost. <laughs> Vinny actually, and he rode really well. Like I was, that's not the Vinny G. <laughs> like, how did he have to wait until he's forty nine before he? A little longer. Yeah, <laughs> he's I mean, be- he's getting better. I've got flashbacks of Binghamton, him trying to jump the doubles into the first turn. It wasn't pretty at all. It changes day to day. <laughs> oh, we saw a pretty day. It was pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. He has a heart of gold. That guy is yeah, so awesome. I'm so happy to see he's, he's closest to you, right, than any other trails? Yeah. For Kiko. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Vinny G. You remember plenty of Vinny oh, G. Of course. <laughs> God, he was almost as as rough as, remember Nathan Rubenken? Remember the name. Oh, he was another rough one. Always had like <laughs> half of a pedal <laughs> on one side. People. <laughs> oh, oh, we do that. All, that's what we do all the time. Yeah. Actually, Nathan would probably love it, too. I forget where he was from, Pennsylvania maybe. But the fact of the matter is it's actually not dissing because these guys would have, like, their bikes would be wrecked. And they were beating everybody. And it was just like, God, you know, it's one of those moments where you'd be like, how how'd he beat me? You know? <laughs> anyway, Vinny G, when he could get through it, he was killing it. But, one, uh, one thing I think we've all learned is like, Never underestimate someone by the way they look or what they've got. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, you can go somewhere and it's like, someone's kit is just off the wall (laughs) and you're going to be so stoked on them afterwards, you know? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because you're exactly right. I mean, we, we all face that whenever you go to Columbus or whatever, there could be a foreigner that you'd be like, they, they didn't look, you know at worlds especially yeah especially that was the weird racing worlds at michigan that was like because that's the only worlds i did um but you would you didn't know the name they, they looked like a full face helmet yeah. no visor oh, yeah. and yes. sweatpants and some right crazy shirt and they're destroying you down the first yeah. trade and you're like oh man yeah this is tough oh that's exactly what i'm talking <laughs> about oh man all right I'll, back to publishing real quick. I just wanted to know if you would have done anything differently 
in the in the world of magazine publishing if you could have back in the day? Um, I think in the early years, you always wish the magazine quality was better. Like you had pages that just had to be black and white or mm-hmm. you'd take these great photos and the printing just didn't hold up. Um, stuff like that is... Whenever you get a magazine, it's more of like... Um, look through it immediately to see what's wrong with it yeah. you know and that was like the tough the tough part of it it's like you put so much work into it yeah. and then it's like oh this is wrong or this got yeah. screwed up or the printer messed this up um, as far as like what I wish I could have done I don't know um, there's always places you want to go or maybe events you wanted to go to or people you want to shoot photos with mm-hmm. that you didn't get to um, but that has to do with time and money Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's probably a couple of articles I wanted to do that never happened. Mm-hmm. Like there was, um, what year is this? Late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do an article that had to do with um, motocross and BMX because there was a lot of top moto guys that rode BMX as like for training and for fun, and there's a lot of BMX dudes that were into motocross. BF shreds on a on a you know dirt bike and right. it's like I've I've shot photos of him riding and you know on a motorcycle like, yeah there was there was an interview with him a long time ago in Snap and I shot some photos of him like jumping over a road on his dirt bike and he used to go to the track and and ride moto all the time like him and Alan grew up on moto moto bikes with their dad you know I guess I remember that I didn't realize they carried it over to like a two fifty or yeah or, um, or at, like Brian didn't race but he he had a bike and. He really? loved going to the track and riding. Um, and I shot photos. I kind of got halfway through this article, and it just never got what I wanted. Oh. But I was digging through some photos recently, and I came across a bunch of them. And it's like, I have photos of Jeremy McGrath riding BMX trails, you know, on, mm-hmm. on a GT. And, um, like, some pretty cool photos of him. But I got to shoot photos with him and some other guys, like, at their test tracks riding motocross. Um that was one one that I remember didn't really happen. I'm sure there's a few other articles that just didn't materialize. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many magazines I made and how many articles I did. It's, right. you know, probably did a lot lot more than I never thought I would, you know, that, that were super fun and cool than what I didn't get to do. Right. You, you basically work for Snap and then Ride. Well, I rode for... Like I rode. I I worked for both immediately. Like mm-hmm. I probably shot photos for Ride before I did anything for mm-hmm. Snap. Like as soon as I moved out there, Brad's like, Yeah, you'll you'll be shooting photos for Ride as well as doing Snap and both magazines are bi monthly, so they kind of alternated months. Right. Um so I I shot photos for, for both like immediately. Yeah. Um Those are the two companies you work for though. You didn't you didn't work for any other magazines. Uh well, definitely not after that. We know that. I did uh, I did work for a different magazine that was part of the whole group. Um, like there was Snap and Ride, right. Transworld BMX, and then just Ride BMX. But when Transworld BMX came to an end, we did a four-wheel magazine called Quad, Quad Off-Road Magazine. Mm-hmm. And with Transworld BMX going away, like that was my full-time magazine. Um Brad's like, hey, I want you to be photo editor of this ATV magazine and also do stuff for Ride. 
mm-hmm. and Losi was the editor of Ride at the time. So it was kind of like I was just going to be Ride staff contributing to the whole the whole thing, but there was time to do other stuff. So I shot photos for this ATV magazine for probably two years, and um, did a lot of like photo editing and and was like a big part of that editorial crew mm-hmm. um but also did ride at the same time and um that's kind of the only other magazine that i really worked on Got it. and that was super fun it was cool it was very different and weird mm-hmm. um and my approach was like let's make this look as cool as it can be because in the moto world like right. quads are not cool right you know it's right. like right you're riding a couch you yeah. know yeah, yeah where motocross is the cool thing like but um yeah yeah you know and i just wanted like let's make this look as cool as it can be all the photos should have like movement and like look Mm -hmm. fast and like so it was actually a lot of fun shooting photos of that um and it was like a nice challenge of like how can we make this look awesome you know versus some of the other magazines the way they made it look right so you're talking about guy b right um that's he was doing guy b's the same guy that did Transworld, right? Um, or, or, Guy B worked for BMX Action. He worked for Super BMX and mm-hmm. stuff. He he works for Vital doing their motocross uh, stuff. I'm mixing people up then. All right. So, um, yeah. Who do you think or what do you think? I was thinking Guy B was part of what you were doing on the BMX side still when you were there. No. Guy um, B, um, when he, he worked for Transworld, he worked for the motocross magazine there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the motocross magazine had their own staff. We did Transworld Motocross, which was just motocross racing and testing and all that stuff. Right. And then there was Quad Off-Road Magazine, which was the ATV magazine. Right. Um, no one would know the uh, the people that worked on Quad other than Glenn Milligan. He did some video stuff. Oh, really? Um, but Long Island the rest of the rest of like the Transworld Motocross staff that was their own staff, and Guy B worked you. for them. Um, but he he hasn't done BMX stuff in a long, long right. time. So he has he doesn't have anything to do with there's Vital MX Vital BMX. He does Vital right? MX. Yeah, he I, does I'm that sorry, now. Nothing with the BMX though. It's I doubt it. I mean, maybe they run some old photos every now and then, but right. Um, so him knowing you, did you after the the ride deal ended, did he ever approach you to work for any of the Vital? No, um, he's not. He's not in charge there. Uh, yeah. Brad McDonald is right, but um, right. No, like Brad. Brad started Ride and Snap, and then Transworld Motocross and the Quad Magazine, and right. then Brad left uh, Transworld to start Vital. And mm-hmm. when that happened, um, you know, he would, he basically created a new staff there, um, and I stayed at Ride. I got you. Once it was over, were you were you relieved in any way? I mean, did it take some pressure off you? Because it sounded like a, a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's. Um, it's probably a lot more work than anyone can ever imagine mm-hmm. doing doing a magazine a monthly magazine doing website stuff daily the travel the deadlines mm-hmm. um i lived my life by deadlines for you know almost 19 years Gosh. and um wow. it wears on you for sure yeah. um i don't miss like writing i i never liked right. writing it's always really difficult mm-hmm. so i don't miss that whatsoever that's kind of a nice like weight off my shoulders even though I've written a few things, like, um, you know, whether it's for, you know, a, a piece, wrote something for Red Bull on a thing that did they did with Wessel, and, you know, I've written a few things, but mm-hmm. that's one thing that, like, I never enjoyed at all. 
it's more of the necessity of doing the magazine for me. That's funny. Cause so I, that's kind of nice. Like, uh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because I, I had a question here asking if you were, were you as uh, comfortable as a writer in high school? And, and I know you went to community college as you were writing for the magazines. Or has writing always been tough for you? No, to... I was I was the the kid in school who did it like the night before it was due mm -hmm. when you had three months to do it, you know? It sounds like, like it worked I out just, better. <laughs> I hated writing and it wasn't easy and it's like the 11th hour is when I gear in and do it. You know, writing at the magazine, it would always be right on deadline, two or three in the morning is when I would like be able to write. Um, you sit down and it's like the words don't flow. Right. And you spend an hour on a one sentence caption, and it's like agonizing, you know. So, right. yeah, that's those are. That's one thing that I don't miss. Right. That's nice. Um. Okay. Let's see. Well, I got to ask this question with Keith right here. Are you salty from growing up on Long Island on Salt Island? I mean. <laughs> um. It's funny because everyone is. There's a certain amount of salt from back here. There's attitude, and I think it's got me in trouble, like with my wife, because oh, no. it's like the the humor is there's a lot of sarcasm, there's a lot of shit talking right. where we grew up, right? And if you didn't grow up here, you don't really recognize it. Yeah. So it's like you come off the wrong way. Yeah. But yeah, all we would do is shit talk at the trails, <laughs> at the track. You know, but everyone does have some sort of grudge or like chip on their shoulder about something, and they're always a little pissed off about something back here. Mm -hmm. And now when I come back and there's like trail drama or whatever, it's yeah. just laughable to yeah. me because I have nothing to do with it. Right. But it's like, damn, this shit never goes away. No. People are still pissed about who knows what, and oh. you know, there's always some drama. It's it's hilarious. I remember being younger and you and Timmy making fun of me. <laughs> we'll still make fun of you. Well, I was, like, but I, I was mean, like eight years old at the time. Tara's like, you know, we're at BMX country jumps, uh -huh. and Tara's probably six, no. and he's on like a MCS Mantis or Hurricane, oh, and he's like with his dad, and he's just this little <laughs> grommet kid. Like, I think I can hit that. I was trying. And then you know, then there's Cablevision Channel oh. Six who covers oh. like a Sunday racing. <laughs> And then there's terror in there, like little kid. I oh. fall a lot, believe me. <laughs> and then they show him eating shit at the finish line. <laughs> so yeah, we still make fun of Keith. Oh. <laughs> God. When I was eight years old. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> now you're almost forty. Right. <laughs> it's our fault. Um, yeah, but a lot of like a lot of shit talking at the trails, and oh. that that would be like kind of fuel too. You know, it just yeah. fires people up to be even better and you know have more fun you get that smirk that someone's giving you you know messing around right right if it's like written then it's like what do they mean mm -hmm. <laughs> right right you have a smirk by the way you know that right <laughs> I you do I, was... I got wheels turning up here all the time yeah, yeah. I kind of like amuse myself with I, I actually... things I say because <laughs> I actually wrote that I'm like for starters wipe that smirk off your face <laughs> seriously you have a disarming smile I always oh. feel like I'm like the kid who's like not confident in like what's what's the word of I don't know just being insecure insecurity yeah for right. sure but around certain people and friends it's like you know 
you never... have your comfort zones. Yeah. You know? Right. But if I'm smirking, I'm probably, like, making jokes in my head <laughs> that I don't want to share with people. <laughs> Damn it. I may be like in what? trouble. Well, you know, if, if I come off the wrong way, just know that I'm probably just trying to make myself laugh. <laughs> and it's kind of the roots of, like, how we are back here. Right. I don't know. No, definitely. A lot of joking. Yeah. No. It, trust me. It's all... It's all good. <clears throat> Before we get into questions from Instagram followers, I want to ask you a couple more quick ones. Oh, this one kind of fits. Did you ever get cool guide when growing up or when you moved to California and by who? I think anytime you went to a national, there's like people who, whether they were factory guys or, you know, better than you, it's like, yeah, there's always, especially you're a teenager, you know, mm -hmm. racing, yeah. you're a teenager, so there's always someone who thinks they're better than you, or, mm -hmm. um, California was, California was always really cool, I feel like people out there, um, everyone was always, like, eager to do stuff, even if they didn't know me, like, it's like, oh, you want to shoot photos for the magazine? Of course, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's there's people out there that are, you know, have attitudes too, but I, don't know, I wouldn't say in general it's, you know, if anything, it was more of like people being younger and, you right. know, they're probably not the same today. Right. But Yeah, so we're talking about Florida, right? Florida. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Florida. Florida was always tough for me because the the, the same thing. And you talked about it on Dale's podcast, but... It's like we we come out of an igloo and go to a national and, and somewhere down the east coast, southern east coast, and just get just get completely killed. Yeah, but, I mean, there uh, to me, like Florida had an awesome scene, and mm. I loved going down there um, for races or for whatever. And um, there's so many cool people down there. Like, you know, I think Ron Bonner kind of helped shape that scene in a big way, and um, you know, he kind of. He brought a lot of people down for different events and stuff, but there's a lot of awesome people down in Florida for sure. And we witnessed this today. Uh, what are your thoughts on what I call the evolution of the BMXer? Uh, people riding way further in age than they used to in the old days. And we talked about that the trails a little bit with 35 and over cruiser, and then it like went all the way up to 60 and over cruiser. I think there is now a couple names that uh, that come to my mind. Rich Bartlett, Kerry Laurent, uh, Des McCoy, Matt Hoffman. I don't know how old Matt is now, but he's definitely mid mid he's to mid, late mid forties. Mid forties, yeah, and and still killing it. And it, it, there's endless names you could mention. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever dream that BMXers would still be riding like like we rode today? I think you could um, on the race end. You could. Mm -hmm. You could always imagine, you know, there's always that older cruiser class and there was always someone's dad who raced it. You know, my dad raced cruiser when I was when mm. I was younger. Um and I I remember like Tim Strelecki and I would joke like, Yeah, we're gonna be those dudes like fifty and over riding cruiser, you know, and mm -hmm. um that's definitely not happening. But <laughs> um on the freestyle end of things, like nobody imagined, you know, people in their forties, fifties shredding. Um yeah. You know, as a kid reading the magazines growing up, when people hit their 20s, that's when it all came to a, to an end. It's like, if you're a pro and you were 25, you were done. Right. You know? Um, 
And I think our generation saw past that where it's like we can keep doing this. And I think um, after the early 90s dip of like BMX wasn't doing good, so much came into BMX right after that with X Games and all these big companies pouring money in and stuff. Um, There was this second win for people and there's... um, Everyone's like, well, I'm still good. I can keep doing this, and I'm making money riding, so why stop? And mm-hmm. I won't, I can't even think of specific people that might have like inspired others, but there's definitely people who were getting older and older, making money off of BMX still, so they didn't stop. And it's like, the more people you see like that, the more the mindset is like, well, yeah, we don't need to stop, and why should we? And right. And now it's like yeah, the last thing you want to do is stop because it's, it's over. You know, if, if you're, I mean, you're, you're a good example of someone who like came back and is, is able to do it. But for a lot of people, when they stop, it's like, they don't do anything anymore. You know, they get out of shape, they get rid of their bike, they get Mm -hmm. back on a bike, they get hurt right away and they, they just can't, can't do it again. To me, it's like, just don't ever stop and you're good, you know? And these guys taking trips too. Like, how many times have you seen Rich Bartlett out this way? Yeah, and he rides everything. Like Bartlett, he he might have stopped BMX for a bit, mm-hmm. but he was doing a lot of road cycling. He's doing like crazy um, races, right. you know, running through deserts and stuff. Like he <laughs> he stayed fit and he stayed on bikes right. in general. Right. So as long as you're keeping fit, and a lot of guys maybe they get into mountain bikes mm-hmm. and that's their thing going forward. They don't come back to BMX. But you just can't stop. Right. You know? And I, I've i always looked at trails as kind of like surfing. Mm-hmm. You can go out to a surf spot and there's guys in their 70s riding waves. And to me, trails can be really similar where if they're built right, you don't have to do tricks. But as long as you don't stop riding, you can go out there and hit those jumps every time. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, there's going to be guys in their 60s riding trails. Like, no doubt. You right. know? I mean, right now you got guys in their fifties riding really good. Yeah. So to me, there's really no end right now. You know, until until your hip breaks, like <laughs> you know, you're probably okay. It's funny. One what of the first say? things I did when I moved out to work for Snap, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really know what I was gonna do for like you know magazine articles and stuff. So it's like, all right, well, who's around? What's around here? And um, Harry Leary was still racing, and he had his he had a company. And, um, is that Dirtworks? Dirtworks. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, I looked up to this guy when I was seven. He's yeah. still riding. That's awesome. Let me try to get a photo of him doing a Leary, you know? And <laughs> right. he got pretty close. But, you know, it's like he was probably 40 yeah. then. Yeah. He's in his 60s now and he still races. Yeah. You know? And he's yeah. probably still fast. He's, yeah. He's... Like, he's, he's always stayed fit and, you know, probably works out every day. So. Yeah. Uh, just a quick funny one cruiser because you loved it or for the extra laps at a national for practice and- uh, for the the chance to actually make a main <laughs> cruiser was always a little easier than 20 inch so that's it's a good like, point you know it wasn't for extra laps and I didn't love it that's for sure it's like well and you're sitting around forever at a race so yeah. um, you know keep it moving but yeah it's like well I didn't make it in 20 but I made it in the cruiser you know I got yeah, I don't know what year it was, but I remember like being done with cruising. I was like, 
I do not want to race this anymore and like <laughs> I just want to ride 20 and that was like a nice feeling of like yeah I'm over this right you raced right. until you were at least like 17 or something like that yeah yeah 17 or 18 and then that was it oh okay I can remember one year that I raced only cruiser because I was sick of losing on 20 because it was 18 over expert mm-hmm. so I just I think it was the year of the um the worlds of Michigan so I just focused just on cruiser because I knew I didn't have a shot in hell on it in 20 inch um so it was hard I mean it was just yeah. but Timmy's got a question here Timmy's got good ones yes he does this is the first of I'm gonna break for or I'm gonna uh go forward into Timmy's segment because part of this interview is gonna be the Tim Sirlicki interview of Keith Mulligan <laughs> uh but I'm gonna take one of the questions out now because okay. it applies do it um were you ever embarrassed to ride the trails for an entire day on your cruiser um, no, I mean, if I brought the cruiser to the trails, I wanted to ride it. I don't think I was ever embarrassed to. I, mean, I definitely did ride cruiser at trails every now and then. Yeah. Not much, though. I think I have a photo of me at old Clinton trails, like the original Clinton trails on Long Island, which was like late 80s, mm-hmm. um, on my cruiser next to uh, Ed Ferry, who does Planet BMX. Oh, yeah. And we're like side by side going over a jump and... Yeah. Um, I think that's on cruiser so uh I, I know over the years you've been involved with uh bikes over baghdad mm-hmm. uh, are you still involved yeah how long have you been doing it and who started it i don't um this guy named christian schaff and his brother mm-hmm. started it um they were in a band they played south by southwest with their band and after one of their shows someone came up to them and um said how would you like to tour iraq you know, doing shows for the troops. So they ended up going to Iraq with their band, and I, I want to say it was for like a month straight. And they played from big bases to the tiny outposts with not very many people there at all, mm-hmm. um, under fire at different places. Like, they experienced everything um, in that month. And they wanted to do something... After that month, they're like, hey, we could do this ourselves. We can send people over here. We can, mm-hmm. you know, do shows over here. And so they started an entertainment group, and they started sending other bands and, you know, um, I don't know if it's comedians and mm-hmm. whatnot. And Christian wanted to do something action sports involved. And um, dirt bikes were too big to put on helicopters. Um, the ground is too rough for skateboards. So BMX is kind of like the thing that made the most sense. And he had gone to Woodward, had a meeting with Gary Ream and um, people at Woodward, and Nate Wessel was on that meeting. And Nate was like, we can do this, you know? So Nate really, you know, helped um, make that happen, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't get to go on the very first trip, but I went on the second one. Mm -hmm. And then I missed one or two other ones because of other things. But I basically like I'm the photographer for the for all of those trips, and um, we haven't gone now in almost two years. And they were planning another trip for the spring, and it looks like it might be canceled now. And it's it gets canceled because of um, funding cuts and things like that. And there's always different people in different positions in the military. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you need the right person in that position to okay it, or you need the funding. And the past few tours have been canceled, but otherwise, like, it's still, they're still trying to make it happen. Yeah. And it was, like, one of the most requested tours as far as, like, all the 
the um, the military tours in the Middle East. Right, right. So yeah, they're amazing. Shout out to a guy that you guys may know from way back in the day, but um, Ari Sonnenberg connected with him through the podcast. Really, he he was in for a while, and he lives in Europe now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he even has a question here somewhere. But super nice guy, and uh, I don't think he was around uh, or got to see it bikes over Baghdad uh, show, but um, he's well aware of the positive impact. He knows what it's like to be stuck somewhere for a while. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I saw Ari a few years back at Interbike, and um, every time I go on those trips, he's like, hey, if you're flying through Amsterdam, you know, hit me up. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing with those trips. It's you help people forget where they are for a couple hours. And Mm -hmm. that is like the most amazing thing to see. Um, And these shows are not, it's not like a, a school show or a you know, like a state fair where mm-hmm. the backflip is like the ender. It's the best dudes in the world doing their hardest tricks for these guys, you know, and it's, um, the energy is amazing. The, the riding is amazing. The shows are amazing. You know, Nate, Ron Kimler, Ryan Corgan, they build like really good jumps, um, you know, box jumps and, right. um, certain bases. We have multiple ramps that we've, kept there because we've gone there over and over and every time it's like we add to it so like one base in a Qatar is like almost a skate park with how much stuff there is right. other times it might just be one box jump um, but everyone gives it their all and, and doing their hardest tricks and um, it's it's really awesome and yeah. those, those trips are so fun and, and crazy you know yeah. we've seen the craziest stuff uh, Justin Long guy from up my way Okay, he wants to know uh, what photograph makes you proud in BMX and outside of BMX. I guess, um, yeah, two photos that make you proud. One BMX, one outside of BMX. Um, Sorry, Justin. I, I saw his question on uh, on your post. So, yeah. Um, a BMX one, I think that's kind of evolved into something mm-hmm. that um, maybe at the time wasn't, you know, um, didn't have as much meaning, but... There's a black and white photo of Stephen Murray that I took uh, when he won X Games in Philadelphia. And um, when he won, he got lifted up on people's shoulders. And there's like, you know, a photo of him that I took and he's like hands in the air. And it's a full like Rocky moment like photo. Mm -hmm. And there's all these people in the photo. Like you can see BF, you can see Gary Ellis, you can see um, Adam Aloise. Alistair Witten and it's like everyone's celebrating him win and um, when I shot that photo I'm not very tall so kind of figure out things that help me shooting photos and I always try to find like a different angle or something and um, I don't know if I like anticipated something like that happening Mm -hmm. but on the floor of all these people I grabbed a chair and I was standing up on a chair so that Mm -hmm. gave me like a perfect like perspective up higher than everyone mm-hmm. and um i just got this great photo of steven celebrating and after steven's crash and what's happened with him that's mm-hmm. kind of become this photo that's like um kind of iconic to him so mm-hmm. it's kind of evolved into having like a lot of meeting meaning and a lot of strength to it i think mm-hmm. um so i guess in bmx that one's like an easy go-to for like uh this is like bigger than just an action shot or something, right. you know? Um, and then non-BMX, like, we talked about the Eclipse stuff. Like, that was pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. I got photos I, you know, 
didn't think I was going to get and, you know, got what I wanted to get. And, um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard non BMX to think of photos cause it's like, right. I just shoot stuff randomly, just, you know, whatever I think looks cool. I don't really go after stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but the Eclipse one, that's something that was pretty cool. Watching you today, eye things up, like for your own personal use, like the fire with Kiko, you know, Kiko spelled out on the shovels inside of the, the whammo line. Like I was watching and I'm thinking, man, I would not have thought of combining those things. And when I saw you take him, like, that is rad. <laughs> so, I mean, I it's a BMX photo, whether it be that or non-BMX, I think it's pretty pretty cool that you have an eye for that. So thanks to Thank people you. like you, we can actually, <laughs> you know, see something in a different way than we would have. But, uh, all right, a guy named Brad Josar wants to know if you, whether you'd ever consider moving back to the East Coast. Uh, that's a tough one. My family's back here still. A lot of friends are back here. Um, I lived here for half my life, but in California, my wife's from LA, we're married, mm-hmm. own house out there, our business is out there, so there's no way that that would be an easy thing to do. Sure. Um, and even after being, I've been in California the same amount of time as I lived in Long Island now, it's like mm-hmm. 22 years each, Yeah. Um, you know, give or take, and mm-hmm. it's tough. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if I can leave those like eighty degree February days, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's kinda like the the winter here is rough. Right. It's pretty oh, depressing, so makes you appreciate the summer more. Oh, it, it does, does, but then you're sweating your balls off in the humidity then. <laughs> right, yeah. But I also think that I mean you could use it to your advantage, you know, being out here like like we all are. Uh because you've got that, that forced break and you're just itching for it so badly in the spring so that motivation as opposed to say living in florida where you could do it all year round so maybe it's not as you're not as i don't want to say they're not grateful but you know if there's easier access you definitely take it for granted out Mm -hmm. west there's something to be said about having perfect weather year round it's like you can do things anytime you want you know and Mm -hmm. um I think people definitely appreciate it way more back east when you get those good days. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can literally ride year-round, and it's awesome, you know? Like, I actually look forward to when it rains in California because you don't see it very much. Yeah. Um, if I were to move, I'd probably go more like Colorado or somewhere more mountain and um, mm-hmm. outdoor lifestyle where you probably still have winter and, and snow and stuff, but you have, like, a great outdoor lifestyle that goes mm-hmm. along with it. Um, I mean, I snowboard a lot in the winter. I love going up to mountains. But in California, you can literally, like, you could do the trifecta. You can surf in the morning, yeah. go snowboard for a few hours, and then go ride your bike in the same day if you really wanted to. Right. You know, and like, where else can you do that? That got me thinking about Utah. You're, you're good friends with Fuzzy, right? Mm-hmm. So you snowboard with him, and, and uh, he still rides, right? Yeah. Okay. I um actually own property in Utah by Fuzzy's Cabin. I would go out there so much, and he mm-hmm. has like a cabin up in in the hills outside of uh, Park City. Mm-hmm. And I like fell in love with him. He's like, man, you gotta get a place up here. So years and years ago, I bought yeah. a little little bit of land, but I've never built anything on there. Right. But that's kind of like 
at some day that would be like the vacation spot you know yeah, yeah. just get away and have fun there and right. yeah, fuzzy's awesome man still rides not as much as he used to mm-hmm. but yeah like you i mean he's still riding trails and when he can mm-hmm. he does a lot of um he has like a car uh driving business mm-hmm. like not like uber but basically it's like you know you would hire him or his company to pick you up and drive you places more i think higher end mm-hmm. people that come in you know going to park city and you pick them up the airport and they're more like um, almost like a limo thing lo- more like a limo a little more upscale than you know mm-hmm. just getting like an uber or lyft um but yeah he's been he's been way into that mike aiken utah mm-hmm. right um <clears throat> That's been one of the kind of things that I've, I've noticed uh, since I got back into it. Everybody loves Mike Aiken. Uh, his, the, the footage I've seen of him, it's absolutely amazing. Um, what's Do you have any idea what's going on with him? I, I've heard that he's, he, he's working, maybe for a relative or something. His son's really into soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's... The last time I spoke with him, he wasn't working, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to work. He works on and off different jobs. The last time I saw him was Behringer's 40th birthday party. I went out there for that. It was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I think Mikey has struggled with finding what's next. He was on top of his game when it got taken from him. Mm-hmm. So... He didn't have anything else that he was like into or interested in, and um, so he's had trouble finding what's next for him. As far as I know, he's doing real good. You know, it was awesome when I saw him last time, and I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but we text and you know. Sure. Um, and whenever I go out to Utah, like I I try to see him every time. That's um, that's great because I I think a lot of people don't know what his statuses his whereabouts you know whatever it is and people always ask you got to interview Mike Aiken well you know what that's <laughs> I, I hear you and I understand why yeah but I don't even know the whole story you know I'm glad to hear he's just doing okay and yeah that's, I think that's all that really matters and and maybe BMX is not something he really wants to really be super involved with I I don't know well I think it's where he's at there's not a lot of BMX to be involved with Mm -hmm. and um, you know Utah's a great scene as far as riding goes but Mm -hmm. there's no companies out there and there's no um, place for him to fall into and I don't think he he does you know um, he probably could have done some stuff with Fit you know helping out there afterwards but I don't think it was his his deal you know Mm -hmm. Um, so I think Mikey's just trying to find himself you know mm-hmm. stage two of you know after after bmx right um it's a, it's that's probably one of the things that you you being out of bmx mm-hmm. for those years like that's probably one of the main things that you missed was getting to see that dude ride yeah i mean it's yeah all-time favorite you know there's yeah. nobody that rides like him rode like him and there won't be anybody there's a couple that are close with their own style but Sure. Mikey is a true, true original man. It's like, yeah, that's it's like what, when I see when I see clips of him that are people post. It's like you just stop. It's like, oh yes, that's what makes it so hard. I think for people, 
to to let go, you know, and just they want him back. Yeah, everyone lost out, you know. It's yeah. like you and, know, him and, getting hurt. and most importantly, him, you know. Yeah, it, and he wants to ride. It's just yeah. um, it's in his head, mm-hmm. but his body doesn't do what his head is telling it to do. So, mm. you know, it's like he struggles there, and it's frustrating, and it's in his head. It's like I know how to do this. And I want to do this, but my body's not doing what I'm telling it to. Oh, is this like a coordination so, thing? Like he lost some, he lost like, some a, a ability on like one side of his body mm-hmm. from his crash. Um, right. You know, not fully paralyzed at all, but sure. things don't fire and move as fast. I you know, you. Um, which would make bike riding really hard. I'm sure. Yeah. Even running, for that matter. I mean, it's it's got to be difficult. But yeah. Thank you for that. I just I, yeah. I, from what I've read and what I've heard from people, he's the guy like he was the all-time trails guy and whatever else he touched right i mean he like, was great at at you know vans triple count contests and do tours and um he could ride any ramps or skate parks he could ride street like mm-hmm. you know if you haven't like start watching his old video parts man they yeah. are just awesome i've seen some it's so flowy kind clint reminds me a little bit of him i don't know if that's the if that's <clears throat> accurate or not but that type of style just looks so good. Like yeah. everything connects perfectly. It's it's really amazing. And he just had this rubbery, like, um, way of his limbs where he could do things that you could, ten people could do that same trick, and his was always head and shoulders above, like right. the way he did it. You know. Right. And he had certain tricks that other people wouldn't really do at all, mm-hmm. and just with his style. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just so good. Yeah. Can I take a uh, pee break? I'm going to prove to you I can outlast you. <laughs> Even though I'm squirming like a... Yeah, and that's one thing with like with Mikey's riding, like, mm-hmm. like you guys talking about. Yeah. His, his street riding and ramp riding was outrageous with his own style. But street riding and, and ramp are going to progress mm-hmm. to points of like who knows what but Mikey's trail riding is uh-huh. going to be timeless 20 years from now his trail footage is going to be still some of the best you'll ever see definitely it, that's that's what's amazed me is street and park weren't even really his thing right like he just did it I mean he killed anything yeah. I mean but was his but preference trails like was that his I main thing I would say thing? what do you think Keith like his preference was probably like riding dirt and stuff like that trails yeah yeah trails and like like I think he really ramps. went in. He really went in on street for videos. Yeah, that's what I feel like. But trails, it's like that was his number one. You know, it's like it. what everyone wants to do is, you know, sure, is ride trails, and that's where he was kind of. All right, so I'm going to go to uh, Ari Sonnenberg. Um, questions. Mm-hmm. He asks, "Do you think having so many trails like Clinton, Sevs, Patchog?" Etc. created a style of trail riding that had a heavy influence on mid-school BMX. Um, I don't know if our spots really had an influence on on people's style of riding. I mean, there's so many trails in the Northeast. Like, there's a there's probably a general Northeast style. I mm-hmm. don't know if like our spots specifically. Um, maybe way back in the day, there were people that like would visit the trails and see what we were doing and um mm-hmm. you know maybe they would try stuff too like we did a lot of depending on the spot um 
kind of pre Seven Eleven, where it was like, you know, all one after another type of like lines. Mm-hmm. Like we had Starrett's Patchogue Trails or Clinton um, Oak Park, where you know you had berms and rollers and step jumps and stuff all mixed in. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like bump jump to manual to jump, like stuff like that, because we raced and it was one day a week. So right. the other six days we were at the trails. So right. we were kind of like, that was kind of our training for racing as well as like jumping. Right. So we mixed in a lot of that style of riding mm-hmm. into our trail riding. Um, and you could see it when you raced. If it was a track that had... <laughs> good jumps. Had, yeah, had good jumps and an opportunity to show that kind of style. But yeah. I think like, not that Shorm dictated a style, but it mm-hmm. definitely made um, everyone a lot better. Mm-hmm. at riding because we had hard jumps and you know like a technical track and i think a lot of the trails and the track had a lot of uh crossover influences on each other mm-hmm. with like what we built at the trails or what we built at the track mm-hmm. you know yeah so it it probably i, I believe it had an influence uh regionally mm-hmm. at least to answer ari's question but um for sure i mean we in connecticut it's we would come down here Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm sure Massachusetts picked up on it. Maybe it took a little longer, but then, you know, guys like Jerry Bagley and and people that really made it around. Yeah, I don't know. Would you guys it. say that the way we rode influenced the way other people rode? Like we weren't doing certain tricks or things that people weren't doing anywhere else. I think, in a sense, that back then the trails were more. I would say more race oriented that people who didn't race that came might influence them to ride that more kind of style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thing. yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think also to expand on what you said, like what we built at the trails and what we built at the track, I don't think other uh, places and other tracks in the country had the, the freedom to build the track. So, I mean, you can expand on that. Like, yeah. how, what, why was, why were those jumps at Shoreham? You know, right. Yeah. And that's because, you know, because of your parents and yeah. you. Right? Well, what happened at Shoreham, it's like you had, you had this time where the parents built the track. Mm-hmm. And that's just always how it was. And right. you had guys that were building trails. And the trails were really fun. And there's a lot of jumps. And then all of a sudden, it's like the trails are a little better than the track is. Yeah. And everyone's like we want better jumps we want more jumps and you know this is not as fun as the trails and this is pre 7-eleven and um this is more of like the clinton days genovese days and shoreham had a um shoreham had a parents association Mm -hmm. and there was always meetings and you know if you had a board but then you had everyone else from the track could go to the meetings and there were meetings where people, kids started speaking up and it's like, we want better jumps. We want different jumps. And it's like, all right, well, you guys build them and we'll see what you do, you right. know? And so that's what happened. And they started letting the riders build the jumps. And what we always did was we built it for us, but we made it so anyone can ride or ride over it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, yeah, we had a 25 to 30 foot triple step jump, but you can roll that entire thing. But 
what other track had a jump that big that you could jump you right. know and we had big doubles out of the last turn but <laughs> you could roll them if you if you needed to you know and yeah. that was like separated the men from the boys in yeah. certain races it's like last turn you got no yeah. gas left and oh there's a 20 foot set right there what <laughs> yep. are you gonna do you know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over to Coast, <laughs> Homer at Coastal, and I'm going to buy another fucking pair of cruiser forks. You know, because yeah. I barely clipped the last set. But that no. was the that was the beauty of Shoreham is they trusted the riders mm-hmm. to make the track better, and it you know it it proved itself. It's like we had so many top dudes come out of Shoreham because the track was so good. I tried that when I, when when I was part of opening our track and I was the track director at like 24 years old or something like that. It's some ridiculous age. <clears throat> I shouldn't have been doing this kind of thing. Um, but I made it in a way that, with my friends that rode trails with me, uh, I made it in a way that I thought would be a mixture of both. But I didn't do as good a job planning it so that the seven-year-old could mm-hmm. really navigate through it and and people were being bucked around because i mean we basically had a six-pack in the third straight so it was um well we had a seven-pack on the yeah. third straight <laughs> all right and seven's a so lot weirder were, than six yeah yeah and they yeah. were not like that they is. were not mellow now you got choices I broke, I broke a wrist on those Jeez, like it was almost like we had a shortage of dirt or something like mine dipped too much so you if you were to try to roll, you were just getting bucked too much as a yeah. kid. We had a we had a little bit of that. I mean, every opening day, mm-hmm. there were you know people going to the hospital with you know exactly. injuries and stuff, and it's like I got it would blamed be an, for all that stuff. It would be an uproar, oh. uproar of like you made the track too hard, people can't do this, and then it's like give it three weeks. Yeah, and yeah, you had world you had world champions. You give yeah, it a few right. weeks, and all of a sudden everyone gets used to it. And everyone's that much better, that much faster. So the first yeah. week, everyone's bitching and crashing. And then if you just stick it out, all of a sudden, everyone figures it out. And it's like, everyone was, you know, leaps and bounds ahead in their skills. And, you yeah. know, it's like year after year, they're better and better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my generation, like, that's when Shorm really started first changing to where the jumps got more technical. Yeah. And at the time, our generation was 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. We struggled with that at first. But like Keith said, give yeah. it a couple of weeks where 13 yeah. years old jumping a 20-foot double down the last straightaway. Right. And there were definitely some jumps that, like, I remember midway through a Sunday, they took out rakes and, like, scraped, scraped the lip down, you know? It's yeah. like, all right, this is a little too much, you know? Mm-hmm. But we weren't making jumps to do tricks over. We were making jumps... That were sure. big that you wanted to get over in the air, not mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah. You know? And have it be an advantage because yeah. you had that skill. Or a roller that was actually like steep, not not super tall, but s- steep right. where it's oh, like if you didn't pick up for it, you yeah. were launching to flat. So yeah, you yeah. had to learn how to bunny hop over it or pick up for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, well, I don't know what happened with our track. I, I, <laughs> I did it for a year and a half, two years, something like that. I didn't have children at the time and it was, you know, all the people complaining had had kids and and basically made me uh, quit being the track director after like a year and a half, two years, something like that because it was clear that, you know, it's it was fun while it lasted, but I couldn't, I wasn't doing a good job, I didn't feel, representing the entire <clears throat> group, trying to find a way to represent the entire group. So, mm-hmm. But it does make me feel really, really good hearing you say that, that it was at least a 
because it was opening day at our track too. It's yeah. But you guys had it as you know. Well, give it a couple of weeks. You know, let kids learn how to handle it, and instead of tearing it down. Well, we also that 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 triple step. Mm-hmm. Richie Poole and I made that, and we did it the week before a regional or a national, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Are you out of your mind? Like, why did you do this?" Yeah, it was like and, October or something. Yeah, yeah, and we did it like it, it right was a before. Fall regional. And that jump was like this huge, like step up that you. You know, it's probably like an eight foot lip and then flat for five or six feet and then only like another foot or two up high mm-hmm. and then flat for really long. So it's just a very tall like jump that did nothing. And right. we dug out the the middle of the upper part and mm-hmm. like put put stuff on the landing and then and it was like it was a tough jump to ride. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a perfect triple step. It was like up, then dip down lower right. and then like a peaked out landing. And it was like, people were like, why did you do this right before this race, you know? And it's like, whoops. (laughs) And (laughs) And it became this this iconic jump for Shoreham, you know? Yeah, I remember it well. And there was definitely people that you you could count on jumping it. Yeah. It was right before the last turn, right? Going Um, into the last turn? Going into the last turn, yeah. Between that and the, was that the same era that the doubles were in the last straight? Yeah. Okay. It was definitely good for BMX um, uh, shops, for sure. (laughs) Ari also said, uh, also bring back the zine stews, which uh, I know I, I tried to dig mine out uh, for tonight, and I, I just couldn't find them in time. But um, yeah, the zine era was awesome because there were a lot of people that were making zines. I I had one that, uh, how many did you do? Maybe four zines. Four? I don't think I made it past two. but I did random, like, you know, I worked with this guy who... He was this crazy chain smoking guy at mm-hmm. Service Cycle, this bike distributor I worked at, and oh, he yeah. raced pigeons. And I went to his house and <laughs> shot photos of his pigeons once, and did like a, a a zine that probably three people saw, but it was <laughs> hilarious. Oh. So there's some random ones in there, but I did like maybe three stew zines, and then a fast plant zine, and uh-huh. I think that was it as far as BMX. Yeah. But uh, he wants me to bring him back. I'm working on something. All right, good. That's good. That's amazing news. That's that's great. Um, yeah, Rob Delecki had one. His was Room. Remember R H E. Well, and he does maintain. Oh yeah, definitely now. But back then he had the mm-hmm. he had that Room one that was yep. somewhere in the mid to late nineties, I think. But um, but yeah, I I make sure I hop on those maintains as soon as he releases them. Those are great. I missed out on one. I'm so bummed. I always comment to him the the way he uses lighting is amazing and I don't know if that's just he uses lighting in such an amazing way yeah uh, that whole issue that he had recently of maintain not recently but last year I think of maintain he had um, when you do the slow exposure and you have the light tracing the person mm-hmm. um, he just posted a picture tonight I'm sure it was from a couple a couple week, uh, years ago but I just think it's cool the way he experiments but but yeah, I'm glad he does maintain, and that'd be awesome if you pump something out. I'm, I'm yeah, all in. I I don't know when, and I don't know what, but I'll, I'm I'm making something. I've been kind of working on it a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, do I want this to be a shitty Xerox zine, or do I want this to be like some Fine high hearts. quality oh. print piece? You know, and it's it's like mm-hmm. depends on how I feel when I wake up every day. Right. right. But um yeah, I'm working on something. I don't know I don't know what it is, but 
Yeah. I'm going to make something. Someone else did a zine called Fast Plant, so I can't do that. Like a skateboarding one. Oh, oh yeah. God. So I have to call it something else. Uh, Matt Copeland. He wants Matt. to know. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he is. And I just met him over the course of this year, and, and he's such a great guy. So anyway, he said, if I had to name the most amazing thing I've witnessed on a BMX bike, it would be Mulligan doing the undoable massive curved wall ride in Tulsa. Uh, honestly, what were you thinking? This is still mind blowing to me. Um, is that the one that it curb? It went down to a lower level of like a parking garage or something. And it was like a like you had the duck. No, that, may that have been was someone else. that was Ryan Cher in France. Yes, I shot that okay. uh, sequence. You shot um, it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, no, I was on a profile trip in Tulsa, and we went to a school, and I was just on the trip to shoot photos and do an article and mm-hmm. um you know we go to the school and guys are riding and there's this curved wall that was um I don't know how long it was it wasn't a tight curved wall it was like a very long mellow one uh-huh. and um I was like oh I think I could do this anyway coming coming from Matt that's that's a compliment because I think he's probably seen a lot. way <laughs> more <laughs> better things than that but um thank you matt yeah. but um no there was this huge huge curved wall ride and um it was like sprint across the schoolyard yeah. you know and yeah. i can probably dig up a photo of it i've had a couple of people say like yo that was that was pretty sick was that a video clip it's cool. was, was there a video clip of it? i don't think I there's like a I video clip i just set up my camera and i told moville i'm like hey just hold the button down and he right. like shot a, a sequence for me really um I don't think there's any video of it. I don't even know if anyone I videoed on that trip. It was like, I mean, there's really not much video of me anywhere, other than like which is crazy. Base videos. I understand that, but yeah, yeah, right. Neighborhood superhero. <clears throat> I remember there's all glass. Like it was like brick wall, and there was all grass, and there was glass all in the grass that like people had thrown oh. bottles against it. So I was like, oh man, if I go down, I'm gonna get like shredded. So right. I like put gloves on. And um, I did it. I did it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I did it at least once or twice. And I wanted, I wanted to get like a good table out of it because it was kind of perfect. Like right. once you came out of it, but I was so exhausted that like right. I I couldn't do it too many times because right. it was like a lot of pedaling to get to it. And I think it was really windy, if I remember. Um, but yeah, oh. that was super fun. If you ever go to Tulsa and find that school, <laughs> that's a good do curved it. wall. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going from him complimenting you to Thank you, uh, that was awesome. to <laughs> to um, apologizing to you because this next question is uh, chiggers or headlights. Your preference. You um, did tell me the backstory. Same so same trip. So we're in Tulsa. We go to this uh, we go to this rail, and I think Dave McDermott was um, hitting this rail. We shot photos at this rail, and it was a full day in Tulsa, you know, uh-huh. going around the city riding and stuff. We stay at Matt Copeland. It's now his wife, but his girlfriend at the time. We stayed at her house, and I woke up the next morning, and I had, like, bug bites on uh, on my arms, like, by my armpits and my shoulders, and um, I was like, you know, it's like, how do you say something? It's like, hey, Matt, like, yeah. is there bugs in the house? Like, I got yeah, some right. bites, you know, and... He's like, no, I think so. I'll, I'll like hit up Ariel, and um, 
as you know, I took a shower and as like the morning's going on, it's like more and more. And I just had these bug bites everywhere on me. And he like calls, calls his chick and he's like describing, she's like, those sound like chiggers. And like none of us had heard of chiggers and we're like, what the hell is chiggers? So we're like searching on our phones and it's like these evil, tiny red looking bugs. And it's like, oh, they bore into your skin and like, you know, who knows what lay eggs, their head stays in your skin, no matter what you're doomed. Uh And by the end of the day, head to foot, right. Other than my face, my hands, and my dick, I had <laughs> thousands of bites all over my body, and oh, my the itching, and like, there's nothing you can do about it. And it took over a month for those to go away. Like, you would, you would Jeez. try not to scratch, but then at some point you scratch, and it's like you can't stop. Keep talking. And it's I, like these. I lost the contest. <laughs> it would like scab over, but it would never heal. No. Like you'd you'd finally after a couple of weeks you'd scratch it again and you still had that same red dot that itched like hell. Yeah. And it's just the most it's, it's the worst thing times worse than poison ivy. ever. Yeah, and it took well over a month for those yeah. to go away. I at Panamoka we call it ankle herpes. <laughs> we had at Panamoka and your ankles like I still have scars all over my ankles just from just going to town itching my like yeah. crazy. And um to this day I can't sit or lay in grass. I can't do it. Like no matter where <laughs> we are, I have this phobia and it's like, nope, I'm gonna get chiggers and I can't yeah. <laughs> can't yeah, do it's it. It's insane. And the the locals there knew that was a thing? Well no, like his I guess his, his had girl had known nobody else I think Moville maybe had a couple of bites on him. But what I think what happened was when we were shooting that rail, I put my camera bag on the grass. And I think what happened was they got all my camera bag. When I put my camera bag on, that's why I had a lot around my armpits at first. And that's where they first kind of started showing up. Um, These things must have been small. You can't see them. They, right. I read it's like you either put like a white piece of paper or black uh-huh. like on the grass. Right. And then you'll start to see them. But they're basically microscopic. They're so small that you really, unless you're like looking for them or you know right. they're there, like As you the trails, can't see you them. Have shorts on and you're sweating, it mm-hmm. just looks like specks of dirt on your leg. Like you can't even tell. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's gnarly. Wow. So what, he asked either chiggers or what? I <laughs> said, what would you choose? It was chiggers or head lice. Oh, head lice. <laughs> I've never had head lice, but it's got to be better than chiggers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Unless you just shave your head, you should be good. Well, <laughs> si- yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Since you, this is just a quick one. Um, since you mentioned your dick, um, <laughs> oh great. Are 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 you and your wife going to? This is something I thought of. Are you Where and your wife going? going to upstage the? Uh, I call it the banana verse um, slash razor costume. This Halloween, because oh, that was an all-time favorite <laughs> costume of we've, mine. We've had some good Halloween costumes. Last year, she has friends, of, you know, these friends of ours that um, they have a, like a really awesome Halloween party every year. And um, a couple years ago, I was like, I'll be Jesus, you be Mary. So like we did that. And oh, as Jesus, I had like an upside down cross hanging from my neck, and right. she would pull a dress up, and she had like a little bush for Mary, and, um, so that was kind of funny. And I don't know if that one, we won like a like trophy or something, just that you know, it's fun fun thing at our friend's house. But yeah. 
you know, it's like, oh, what are we going to do next year? And last year, it was like a day or two before, we're trying to figure it out, and I'm driving, and I was like, I was like, I got it, you know? It was two years ago, and Uh um, I was like, I'm going to be a razor, (laughs) and you're going to be a bush. (laughs) And I made like a big razor type of like head that like I put on a hat, and I wore all black, and then she, we got a bunch of black wigs, Mm -hmm. and you know, I was like, you'll be a big push and then she like she's pretty crafty so she kind of made some labia lips and oh added God. that to the mix and um we won like every award at her like friend's party and she's like just pick one so i can give awards to everyone else and then last year we were um kind of sticking to the theme of um hair i was yeah. a standard poodle and she was a pair of scissors um, yeah but this year the party is um this weekend and I'm here and she's got something going on so oh, okay. nothing good this year unfortunately alright well you get the BMX in our blood <laughs> award for best costume two years ago and um, forever will be <laughs> that was a good one that's for sure look it up on my Instagram oh I um, trust me I, I screenshot the damn thing I found that uh, that wall oh is so that that's, that's, that's the sequence wall. Yeah. oh that's not what I expected it looks that's long how fast were you going at this thing pretty good clip I would you say it? you must use no. Your... You don't pedal on it. I mean, it's a it's a it's a wall. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, it was like pedal across the schoolyard to it. You know. Yeah. Damn. Oh, and it's low too. Yeah, it's only like four feet high yeah. or something. You um, must have had to work at that. How many did you do it in in a well? How many tries did it take you? I think just a couple. Couple. Yeah. Um, the first time I jumped on it, I got like you know probably a third of the way and I was like oh this is this is totally possible yeah. and then mm-hmm. it's like just finding the right getting on it right you know it's not even really the right speed and you could have gone either direction if you were more of a right uh, a I'm right a I'm a counterclockwise go to the left that's my which is what that yeah that is right yeah. I mean yeah you probably could have hit it the other way mm-hmm. but that's um to the left is my my way nice and I'm trying to do a little table out of it on this photo but that's a lot. Not much. Yeah. No, it's pretty damn cool. Trey Lamp- Lampy? Trey Lampy. Lampy? Okay. Trey's awesome. Where does he live? PA. Oh, okay. And is he still active? He was, um, um he still rides. He rides mm-hmm. FDR. Um, he was like Little Devil, Friends with Van, like yeah. that whole scene, um, mm-hmm. forever. And he's still like, you know, he's he's a dude in his forties with a real job, but yeah. you know, he like shreds when he's on his bike. Nice. He's a Drexel broke local too. Yeah. Oh then. really? Okay. Yes, yeah, so I probably saw him there. Yeah. I would think. Okay. Well he asked, Do you still have the the twenty two oh four hate list? Oh man, I do have it. What is the twenty two oh four hate list? Um, I don't know if there might have been a typo on the year. I don't know, maybe it's two thousand four. Um mm-hmm. The year, one of the years that X Games was in Philly, um, Van and and Derek and Trey and Bennett, they rented this, um, I wouldn't say it's a house, but they rented like a townhouse that they lived in mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. And I ended up staying there the whole week of X Games. And I was there like probably three weeks out of a month because I was doing an interview with Van. So I was there a lot and um, we yeah. had such a good time. And during X Games... Um, Mike Aiken was staying there Mike Sesney was staying there there's all these people and you know it's at night we were just partying and um, you know beers are flowing and 
someone had the idea. We were talking about people, people we hated in BMX. <laughs> I don't know who brought it up, but it's like everyone had to go around the room like name someone you hate. You Confession know? time. And it's like oh everyone God. the the names that you would think like nobody hates that person like someone would hate that person for something you know yeah. and um i mean it's it's one of those conversations that like doesn't leave the room you know right 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 but right. there was a list and we like wrote down like the names and <laughs> this the list disappeared and then years and years later i was at a bar and trey handed me the list oh, and i was like no. this list still exists you know and <laughs> I have it somewhere, and every now and then when I'm going through a box and I find it, I'll, like, text a photo of it to those guys, but um, it's one of those, like, all-in-good-fun conversations, you know, but... Um, this was people from <laughs> any any uh, any part of BMX? Like well, racing, there's also people slash... outside of BMX, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. there's this guy that I worked with at, you know, this bike company, Service sure. Cycle, and it was like, yeah. the guy was just a douche, and it was like... I hate this guy, you know? <laughs> but then there are some names on there. You're like, ooh. <laughs> and, oh, I'm, I'm going to say, not only like Sesney and Aiken, mm-hmm. Doyle was there. One of the nicest dudes in the world. Right. <laughs> Doyle had some names. So, you know, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> everyone yes. contributed. All right. Well, we won't get the names out no, of them, the names sure, are The names are, you know. They're vaulted. They're vaulted. Yeah. But um, that was a well, fun Well, can you at least tell time. me if Corey Denberger was on there? No, he wasn't on there. All right. I don't know. I only hate him because he smoked all the way up to the starting gate, and then he would, and then he would put out the butt, and then and, and then go win. destroy you, yeah, bastard. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, can I add him to your list? The official hate a little list. Late, but you have to start your own. All right, I, I will. <laughs> we had a lot of good times at at that place they were renting. Yeah, that was like In Philly. yeah, a lot yeah. of good times. Is that the same year we went back for the Halloween party and you were getting yes, robots? Yes, I have a photo. Yeah, we have, we have a photo from the living room. I was there for Halloween, and Keith was there, and we all had to make costumes for a party we went to, and I was Ghetto Robot. I made this like big robot costume out of cardboard boxes. Keith was... That was the cow. A cow. Van was the... Uh, Van was the Gummo. bunny from Gummo. Yeah. Um, and Trey, I think, was the other kid. Trey was the kid with the gun, yeah. the cowboy. JB had a giant pumpkin... For his head, Stricker was there in like a suit. There's yeah. a lot of like, yeah, that's a great photo. Oh man, <laughs> I get I get to link up with. Uh, you were talking about John Britton, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, ever since the um, Garrett Burns podcast, I've wanted to meet him. He sounds like a really cool guy. JV's rad. Yeah, Chris Briganti, he's from around here. He's he does his two fifty trails. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Super nice guy. He goes under pedal driven Chris. He wants to know out of all the track designs Shoreham has had, what was your favorite while racing? There was triple step era. There was an era where this there was the seven pack. The seven pack came after we made the triple step. Mm-hmm. Um, the triple step there was you come out of an S turn, and then there was a step jump. And then a like a, I wouldn't say long, but there was a low set of doubles into the third turn, mm-hmm. and then you rail the hell out of turn, triple step, and then big doubles out of the last turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and before the S turn, we built a tabletop, and the table was like, 
probably five feet tall, mm-hmm. pretty long, and you could like sky it. You mm-hmm. had like contests on that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so the track was like roller after the starting hill, mm-hmm. camel that you could bump jump if you could do it. Otherwise, you jumped it. Um, first turn was crazy, 90 degree. So on the inside, you had a big roller that was built to slow people on the inside. On the outside, you could rail it. So you either wanted gate one or gate eight because mm-hmm. those were like the best lines. If you're in the middle, you were getting balled up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there was cheater lines too. On the inside of the the first mm-hmm. turn, you could cut that roller as far left as possible and mm-hmm. basically jump like on the inside of the jump and that was like the fastest line there was. Um, or if you, and there's a triple step right out of the first turn that was like not very tall. Mm-hmm. And if you had the outside, you would rail the berm the whole way. You could pedal all the way around it mm-hmm. and bunny hop over the triple step. And then right after that was the table, S turn, and then the rest of it. That was probably my favorite version of Shoreham. Mm-hmm. After that, we put the seven pack in and that was like, the track lost some speed and flow there, and then from there it kind of got weird. That's kind of when I moved away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely like that whole track that I described was my favorite. Right. And like we raced, raced once a week. There was practice nights for a little bit, like, like a, a year or two of that. But we, you know, we'd practice so much until like mm-hmm. racing started. Like I knew every inch of that track. Like everybody knew. <laughs> yeah every inch of that track right. I have dreams about Shoreham like to this day yeah. you know it's crazy wow I don't like it the track now but back then it was yeah. it was rad but the one thing that hasn't changed is is they've got a great group thanks to Rich and Lisa Soper right mm-hmm. I think they're doing a really good job I mean they're, and it, it, they've kind of brought it back from the dead they have and it seems like you know having having dealt with Rich and Lisa for the um the two jams that we had there they're just the nicest people and they just make things happen and yeah. and it's not just them the rest of the the rest of the group are like what do you need what do you need what do you need it's like wow this is awesome yeah it's awesome seeing that it's in rich's hands and yeah just, and not a stranger they, they were they were so awesome with the john lee jam yeah. which you guys all know that day because awesome. you guys all worked on that too and then the Stephen murray uh follow-up mm-hmm but anyway, Shoreham's great in more ways than one, as far as I'm concerned. John Lee, he's got some questions John for Lee. you. John Lee. All right. Long Island had a healthy competitive scene. How did that influence your riding and aspects of your personal slash professional life? Um, I couldn't answer that one. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's a good question. BMX has kind of always been like everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when I lived here, it's like racing was racing and riding the trails was like my life. And then when I moved away, it's like it's all I moved because of BMX and my job was BMX and um, I still ride, you know, to this day. So I don't know. It's BMX has kind of touched everything. I don't know how it's influenced me, but everything in my life revolves around BMX in some way you know like living in California I moved to California because of doing the magazines um, I'm here on Long Island right now so we just rode the trails today you know it's like right. it's yeah. it's one of those things where 
I, I never saw an end to riding. It's like that's the one thing that is in my life that I love the most. So it's like it's just always a part of everything, you know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess like photography, mm-hmm. you know, I got into photos because of BMX action. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, what he's asking when I think about it is I did things at an age younger than my my kids that were pretty pretty courageous like 16 17 years old i'm driving all night long to get to memphis or something yeah whereas i would say you're not driving to memphis overnight like you're not doing that like you yeah. know what i mean so there's a confidence that i think you you uh you really get through through bmx racing or any form of bmx where you know you're going to find a friend or you just know you're going to be safe. Like, everything's going to work out. I think BMX gives you... You learn a lot from it, and it gives you the confidence or balls to do things that other people wouldn't, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, you go somewhere with no money, and it's all because you want to have fun. Mm -hmm. Or you've traveled and experienced certain things, so you're not going to hesitate to take a crazy trip where other people would think it out too much and like, oh, we don't have enough money or where are we going to stay? It's like, mm-hmm. you just go for it, you know? And it's like, don't think about it, just do it. And mm-hmm. it all works out, you know? And um, like I probably, I don't know how or why, but I probably never would have driven to Idaho by myself without like different BMX experiences, like, yeah. you know, driving somewhere else for a road trip or going somewhere solo, driving you know, mm-hmm. five hours to shoot a photo of someone and driving five hours back, like, I've done that, you know, and yeah. um, I think it just, um, it allows you to do things that other people would definitely hesitate to do or wouldn't do. Right. I mean, how many people would just get up and move to California at what, how old are you, 25? 22. 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many people would just get up and just move to California? Yeah. You know. You know, that was a huge thing. It's like, yeah, I'm moving cross country mm-hmm. at 22, but... I also knew a lot of people there. So it's like, all right, I'm going from one one place where my family and friends are to a place opposite coast that I still have a lot of friends there. Mm-hmm. I knew from BMX and from racing. And, yeah. you know, I moved in with, with Tim Strelecki and his sister when I first moved there. And then we got a house together and mm-hmm. BF moved in. And um, it's like you had that security of you know some people. So it wasn't that difficult. But at the right. same time, you're still young and it's like a huge move. It's like I don't know if this is gonna work out, but, but go for back, it. But you going know? back to the reason because that is because of your BMX experiences. Yeah. Mm. Like if you didn't have those BMX experiences, twenty-two year old moving to California for a job, you would have been that too had scared to. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, had nothing because of BMX, you're like, no, I'll be good. I got people to stay with. Things will be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think in traveling in BMX too, you see people that never leave their state, their yeah. county, and it's like they're so sheltered and. BMX takes you everywhere, you know? It does. So many people have traveled the world because of riding their bike, you know? And then when you're stuck, you got people like uh, uh, Mr. Poole or or one of the funniest uh, BMX vendors out there, Mr. Cannon. You know, people like that would do anything for you to... Help to you just, out. Yeah, to help sure. out if you're stuck. Because we didn't have ATMs. We didn't have, like... If you're stuck, if something happened to your car or whatever, yeah, like someone would help you out. So, 
And How many were, people did you know in, parents. in BMX racing that had a motorhome and they broke home on broke down on the way home from a national? You know, oh, it's like yeah. everybody. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, uh, where's your favorite place to snowboard? This is John Lee. Still, one of the best days of snowboarding was in Utah with Fuzzy Van. I want to say Adam Bate, Adam Banton mm-hmm. made. Uh, met up with us and I think Adam Baker was there mm-hmm. and we had an awesome day like the snow in Utah is really different and really top notch um, we had a great day snowboarding there but I go to Mammoth a lot mm-hmm. it's about six hours um, from where I live mm-hmm. and that's like good good mountain good snow Big Bear is like an hour or two away but it's not that good mm-hmm. um, really small mountain um, I'd say Mammoth is the go-to for California, a good spot. Okay. He's got more questions. I'm okay. Gonna, on a fall day after school, I rode my bike to uh, the Sterrett's Trails. I saw you and Roger Morales riding it, and, and my entire perception of BMX... Oh, it... I'm sorry about that. Is this uh, John Lee? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He... Yeah, he's talking about how it influenced his entire perception of BMX, I believe, is what he was saying. Okay. I just didn't write it right. Um, I was a wallflower at the jumps. I wasn't really a BMXer yet, just trying to go unnoticed and absorb the BMX culture. Thank you. Um, I'm going to thank John Lee because he he opened our eyes. Um, we were at Sterrett's Trails one day. I don't know if it's the same day or not. And there's this dude who nobody knew and it's John Lee and he's like hey I got some jumps too and we're like okay where and he's like they're just like a mile or two away Mm -hmm. and it's like when you we had good spots and we race Shoreham every week and it's like here's someone that nobody knew whatsoever and they're like oh I got some jumps you kind of like all right let's see what this is right and we go to Oak Park and Oak Park was awesome, you know, and it's like in the woods, he had great jumps, he had big jumps, and he's just the most soft-spoken, humble dude in the world, and it's like, who the fuck is this dude? He is awesome, and look at his trails, like, why did we not know this guy sooner, you know, and it was like, you know, it's like, don't don't underestimate people, like, this guy was just, you know, he's just out there digging his spot, and it was awesome and he and, wasn't even going to Shoreham like it's I mean if he did I mean there's a lot of people at Shoreham so maybe no one knew him I'm mm-hmm. sure he did go to Shoreham yeah, but I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay he was a quiet guy though so, yeah. yeah and it you know I don't I don't remember he might not have been like winning Maine so mm-hmm. maybe he was just under the radar but yeah. I remember him introducing himself at the trails and telling us he had a spot and that changed everything from like that day our mm-hmm. scene just expanded you know mm-hmm. it's like there's another spot and there's another awesome guy that everyone's friends with and yeah. um, man to this day like John Lee is one of the best dudes yeah. you know so thank you John Lee alright I'm definitely going to get to him uh, winter well, they have 8 months of winter I think where he lives but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to yeah I'm, I'm going to get up there and do one with him for sure that'll be good he's, he, he's got to be <clears throat> He's I want to know all about his music. Yeah, yeah, with the stuff. Dwarf Invasion, is yeah. that what he calls it? Something like that? Yeah. He does it on the college. Uh, 
Does on the campus, right? They're, I think it's on campus. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. There's a lot I don't know about him that, that I think he. He, I bet uh, there's a lot. A lot of people don't know about him. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he doesn't brag and boast. No. He doesn't talk about himself. No. So. he's the nicest guy though. He, yeah. he shoots me a lot of messages and and just, just such a positive guy. Just like he'll listen to something and he'll just say something nice that people don't understand. But when you do this for fun, it, it means a lot when people say nice things and they they actually attach it to something specific that they recognized. It's really nice. It's it makes a big difference. So he's he's just a, a great guy. The one and thing I, though, it took John Lee like twenty years to get me a tape that I should have gotten earlier. <laughs> <laughs> right. v- VHS tape of a mom slapping me at the trail. Oh my god! That. that was my question. I had this. I had this coming up. Go for it! <laughs> Damn! Hit it! Throw it out there! Hit it! All right. uh, <laughs> Ready. You don't need to name names, but like pretty much. Some spots, like at that point, maybe, you know, John Lee dug there, maybe he wasn't like in charge. It was like people could come in, you could work on something, you could do it. So I take it like, you know, you guys built something, someone changed it, you guys changed it back. And then uh, if you could just recap <laughs> that story and how it all ended up, because that's a great one, right? Oh, yeah. Man. Um. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't John Lee's spot. It was, um, it was Starrett's Patchog Trails. Oh, okay. So we're talking like, um, Vinnie Ferno and um, Mark, Spiegel. Mark Spiegel. There was a whole crew there, and like Soup said, it's like the trails back then. There was kind of ownership, but people pitched in, and it's like you want to go and and build, like, do it, you know. And I. Um, I built this jump at Sterrett's that most of the trails was like a big loop, but there was a trail that cut across it. And I built like a pretty far set of doubles and, you know, worked all day, like built it, stoked on it, and then came back like a day or two later and the lip was gone. And I was just like, are you kidding? And then when you find out who did it, it's like he knocked it down because he couldn't jump it. Uh. You know, it's like... Who would wow. do that? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. if you can't jump else? it, don't hit it. But yeah. why would you ruin the jump, you know? So anyway, like, Superfly did a, a interview with me for one of his zines, and I called out <laughs> the person in the zine, mm-hmm. and all hell broke loose, you know? It's like, the family's calling me, we, Stu, we respected you, how could you do this? And it's, it's, it's Superfly Zine, you know? It's not like, yeah, right. you know, yeah, but, but it was... It might have been 15 to 20 photocopies. <laughs> yeah, it was like a local deal. Yeah. But oh. anyway, like, you know, family's yelling at me on the phone, he's oh, yelling at me, and it's like, oh, God. And then, you know, a couple weeks go by, after Shoreham, huge session at Oak Park. Mm. And... The dude is there, and I was like, you got something to say? Like, oh boy, I'm here. Say it to me. Yeah. You know, say it to my face. And right. he left, and like 10 minutes later, his mom comes oh, into the trails geez. screaming at me. Oh. And uh, <laughs> How old were you? About? I don't know. Probably Teenage like... Teenage. I was yeah. eight. I was definitely like... You're at least 19, 20. Let's say 17 to 20. I don't right. know. Yeah. Um, and his mom... I was like sitting on the landing of a jump and his mom comes in. <laughs> Stu, get down here. And 
Like, I'm like, oh, God, here we go. So I, like, get off the jump. She grabs my shirt, the neck of my shirt, and she's just screaming in my face. And um, she just slaps me. And, like, (laughs) and I'll I'll never forget this part. I don't remember doing this, but um, apparently my, my... my fist clenched <laughs> and I remember hearing Robbie in the background don't do it don't do it and so oh, back to John Lee John oh. Lee filmed this or someone filmed this but John Lee had the tape forever yeah. and I finally got my hands on the footage a couple years ago but yeah. you can't see her hit me but oh, then like you you know when it happens like in the video like you hear it yeah. and then you hear everybody there's 20 dudes like riding you hear everyone's like ooh <laughs> and then she's like what i didn't touch you i didn't touch you and it's like instant denial and it's oh like you just had 20 dudes like yeah. see you hit me right you know right. and um you're going downtown for assault yeah so oh man i got this videotape just a couple of years ago and i'd never seen it uh-huh. And Van was staying at my house, uh-huh. and I was like, "Dude, we gotta watch this." And yeah. oh my god, I almost pissed myself, like crying, laughing, <laughs> watching this video. But I was so mad that like you couldn't see her hit me in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it goes on for like an hour of like her yelling at all the people at the trails. She's yelling at Keith, Tara, and like Keith was dating her daughter at the time. And it's like she's like, "You're over oh a little too god. much, Keith." And <laughs> it's like, oh man, so Jesus. so stupid and funny, but man. So, finally got that video from John Lee, though. <laughs> oh, wow. And now this lady's on the 2004 list. <laughs> or whatever that list was that you made up that night. Um, I didn't right. hate her, but, you know, she, she slapped me. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a little How hard, often does that happen? To, yeah, it's <laughs> never. I've never heard of that happening. That's Long Island for you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, well, Changing some dirt jumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're knocking a lip down. All right, so we're going to do the uh, Tim Strelicki segment before I finish up okay. on a couple other Instagram questions. Uh, why photography? BMX action, freestyling, Spike Jones, like those photos just grabbed me. And I don't know, something always grabbed me about photography, but when I would see those photos, I was like, how do I shoot photos like these? And how do you do this? And how do I shoot photos of my friends that look like this? Mm-hmm. And I would always get hurt. You know, it's like every BMXer got hurt. Like we rode the trail. So, you know, it's like you either crash racing or you crash at the trails. And anytime I was hurt, I would want to shoot photos in the downtime and be at the trails. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, there was just something there about photography that grabbed me. And um, I think also um, I was never the talkative person and I was way more um, on the quiet side and the creative side Mm -hmm. so I think it's like I let the photos kind of do the talking Um, might not seem like it during this but (laughs) it's like if people know me I'm not like the outspoken person you know and um, I just like to like create something that other people can look at and like you know get something out of that's why you and Ted get along so well. You and Ted, I swear, are peas in a pod. You know, Ted's another level. He's, but, in do me a favor, make sure he lets me interview him at some point. Good luck. I don't care if it's five years from now. 
I don't want to hide a microphone to do it. That's that's <laughs> that's not fair. I'd rather do it legit, but it's got to happen because you know as well as me <clears throat> that dude's amazing. He is Ted really Nelson. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, did step design. Um, he's done a lot of stuff for Standard over the years. Uh, just a super talented UGP guy too. in a lot of yeah UGP. Uh, worked there for years. Um, just really talented creative guy and um one of the most like soft spoken it's not about me type of people you know it's never so, about him so it's... good luck getting an interview with him <laughs> it doesn't matter how good <clears throat> friends i am with him he just uh, i'm gonna get it damn it i'm gonna get it <laughs> but you know what even if it's for only him and i to listen to yeah um and here, I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back up just one quick second. I did uh, to finish my college. I, I finished my bachelor's as a part-time student, and I did a uh, an oral an oral history project on the flood of '55. And I never knew then at that time. This is when I was out of BMX, um, what I was doing exactly. But when it was done, I learned to really appreciate how important it is to just document and you would understand this as well as as well as anybody else uh document as much as you can because let's just face it we're not here forever Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's for the next generation and that's how i'm going to guilt ted into it come to think of it all right so just that got me on the train of thought but anyway i wanted to do one with my father and I, i didn't and he passed away and and i was really bummed out i didn't do it because i had i had the means to do it he lives. He lived he, in Florida talk, with my stepmom. Talked to Van about that because he did something with his grandfather yes. and stuff. Yeah, I believe I did, and and it still bugs me. Obviously, it still bugs me. The first thing I did when I started to ride was I I went and jumped in Florida at some horrible skate park down there, uh, because it made him so happy. The whole BMX thing. and there was four four of his kids. I was the youngest. Um, it made him so happy when I when I rode. BMX, whether it be racing or riding or whatever, I think it's because really, as a parent, he knew it and it made me happy. So, however it works out to have that there for, um, for Helena or his his wife, however you want to look at it, it'd be nice to have it. It doesn't need to be for everybody, but he's he's just a really great guy with a great story. I think, yeah, and, and a super humble guy. Just oh, anyway. Sure. So sorry, Ted, you're going to have to listen to this and just deal with it. But, um, anyway, back to the Tim Strelecki, uh segment. What was really going through your head that night when we somehow ended up in the Asian dorm room at Stony Brook? Tim's uh, going hard-hitting. Timmy hard and I hitting. had a good party night once at Stony Brook University, and uh, we were just bored and had nothing to do. I think we saw a movie, and then like it was like kind of early, and I'm like, well... I don't want to go home you know and it's like what do you want to do and it's like let's go to stony brook and we just started walking around this university and we ended up like you know we got some beers and stuff and mm-hmm. ended up in these people's dorm rooms that had no clue who we were and i don't know what we were doing there but it was it was a fun night oh, <laughs> well, it, was a, it was a sick night i i puked all over but oh, God. <laughs> that is funny but yeah all cool. right you're gonna have to explain this one to me but uh <clears throat> to everyone not just me who were the turtleneck slash cardigan combo better, Dave, me, or you? And who's um, Dave? Dave Keery. His okay. parents were 
people who helped out at Shoreham. Mm -hmm. Dave raced, his little brother Rich raced, his sister did like the concessions at, at Shoreham. And Dave, Timmy, and I, Dave was older, I was in the middle, Timmy was a little younger. Um, we hung out a lot. Our families were friends, and mm -hmm. like we hung out a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what the years were, but the cardigan turtleneck was in style, and um, Timmy definitely rocked it the best. <laughs> Timmy always had a little better style than everyone else. Was it the full turtleneck or like the half turtleneck? Oh, he'd wear the full turtleneck, like push, you know, folded over and down the cardigan, you know, and I'd like I'd make the attempt, but just fail at it, you know. And Dave. Dave had like, you know, this Jewish style to him where it's like he'd wear the cardigan and he'd have gold chains and he'd have like kind of like he'd missed his hair with something, but uh, Timmy owned it for sure. Oh, God. Yeah. That's great. All right, and this question, it makes me laugh because the second I saw you today at Kiko when you came, when you got there, here we go, briefly touch on the expansive flannel collection. <laughs> you had growing up and did you have a favorite if so do you do you still have it um and when you got there today you went on a flannel and i started i was off in the woods and i was laughing everyone's I'm got like, a flannel on it's falling well it's falling long island i guess tara had one tara has one yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I um, think those are the only two i i, I love wearing them until i went to shore and, and like looked up to keith really like, that's when I started wearing flannel. Are you serious? Yeah. So this flannel <laughs> has some. I had no idea. Power, some influence. I had a uh, a closet full of flannel shirts. I loved them. Wow. That's maybe that's my dad. Deep. Favorite. Yeah. I had, I had a flannel that was, a two B flannel, that Hal Brindley printed something on the back, and, at one point I was like sponsored by two B, mm -hmm. and he mailed me a flannel with like a goat. Silk screen on the back of it. <laughs> like, I think I actually remember. It was that. like a green flannel. And it was baggy and on the bottom, on the back, there was this yeah. goat. And I don't remember like the full like illustration of the goat, but mm -hmm. it was a goat Ted and. Um, oh God. So I'll, I'll say that was my favorite. <laughs> oh, I wish I still had that. Oh man. <laughs> I think I have a picture of that somewhere because I could see that flannel. Yeah. Like I, I definitely have one somewhere. Oh man. Right, this one's a quickie. What was the overall consensus of the the team when Shore and BMX Country, the Pulse Beat uniforms were introduced? We talked about that a little before, actually. Uh, so Shoreham, like we started a, a national team, mm -hmm. and I don't know who designed the uniforms, but you know, before we actually had jerseys and pants, we had sweatshirts that were. It was a black sweatshirt with this neon yellow like zigzag across the front with SBC on it. Shoreham mm -hmm. BMX Country because the bike shop BMX Country mm -hmm. sponsored us. Right. And they painted our helmets black with this like pink and neon yellow pulse heartbeat <laughs> across <laughs> the whole middle of the helmet. And it was just God. like you cringed. And yeah. the worst thing about those uniforms, the sweatshirts were like heavy black sweatshirts so we're racing like south park july what? 90 that degrees your, that and humid in a black sweatshirt like heavyweight sweatshirt and then when we finally got uniforms the brightest neon yellow you've ever seen in your life you know with the same zigzag <laughs> bullshit oh my god so 
Wow, thank you, thank you for whoever came up with those. Oh, <laughs> oh man. man. Well, it was based because of the, the nuclear power plant. That's why. Like, was it? I, that's what I've heard. Oh, I, I never okay. knew that. They wanted like, the nuclear color, so with the neon and oh, the pink man. and the yellow. No, no Shortham has a nuclear plant that they built, really? and then they never ran it. They never ran it. They never. I. My dad helped build it. He worked there for years. Yeah. And um, he said they had it running at a very low capacity for a right. long time, like mm-hmm. as they were like doing it. But it basically they took I don't know how long to build this thing, mm-hmm. and then people were so against it that they never used it. Wow. So there's an abandoned wow. nuclear plant in Shoreham. I was gonna say yeah. Someone's got shot photos. <laughs> Cheers. Keith, Keith <laughs> has gone in the plant and shot photos, and it's a time warp. Yeah, tell me about I that. Wanna after I want to go. I want to go Wow. All right. Quick one. Do I still owe you money from when I was bum when I was a bum living with you at Juliet Low apartment? No, that's from Tim. But you owe me a phone call. Ooh. He never answers when I call, but we text all the time. You should meet me when I go to do the podcast with him because he's doing one. Yeah. When and where? Uh, we're picking the dates right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, stuff like that wouldn't happen if I didn't start getting like power sponsors to show now. Right. Powers is a good dude. He contacted me because he believed in the podcast. So he hit, he hit me up um, asking to maybe I can screen print his stuff because he he wanted to keep screen printing business within the DMX community. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I basically I'm like. I, I talked to him very quickly, and it was mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, shipping might bring the cost up. Right. And also, like, I'm a screen printer in New York with New York prices. Right. There might, you know, yeah. being in, in Richmond, might Richmond, be that's half cheaper. Price. But, but, we, yeah. but I got, we can talk about it. Yeah. But that's very cool. That, like, that you he, like limited runs. Yeah. That, he reached, that he reached out to me about that. Yeah. You know? and, and him Maybe, reaching out. Maybe I'll talk to him about it this week. We were talking about Powers Bike Shop. Uh, sponsoring the show now for mm-hmm. the past month, month and a half, because of what he's doing, you know, it, it chips in a bit and allows me to take a trip out to Timmy because I'd like to see him race cyclocross or road if it was that time of year. But mm-hmm. the time of the year right now is cyclocross, so yeah, uh, so we're cool. gonna do it. Nice. And I'm just like that. That Timmy just wants to, you know, he's he's got a lot of history. It's like you do and all of us do. All right, so choose one. A warm SoCal backyard session, a cold East Coast all-night session, a small session in the old cycle craft shop with BF and me before we, before going to the ABA Grants. I should call this Pixie and Win. Well, um, a warm SoCal session is easy. That kind of happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love a redo on the cycle craft factory with BF and Timmy. Mm-hmm. I had a broken ankle. And we were at the Cycle Craft Factory in Tennessee before the ABA Grands. And we, you know, Timmy and I stayed there for a couple days and then we went to Oklahoma. But Tim, uh, BF lived in like the warehouse Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we'd just be up late at night and like built some really horrible things to ride like in the, in the warehouse. Uh And, um, I couldn't really ride because I had a broken ankle. Uh But, um, so I'd love a redo on that, but. Hands down, all night cold northeast session with Timmy would be oh, would be damn. my pick. We all had right. some great like just stupid nights out riding all night, and um, 
having fun and wishing that we could actually ride street. That's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I mean, like, one time we were riding and Timmy did, it was so cold out, like, we were riding in the winter at night, uh-huh. you know, and, like, Timmy did a 180 off a curb and it's his mag shattered and he's like laying in the street you know and it's like pieces of mag all over the place and like we have we have a lot of good like street riding stories around like our houses uh here you go he wants to know we're still in the tim's really segment your ultimate session name it uh what would it be where would it be and with whom would it be these days i think like some of the best days is if I can get to posh on a fall day with a bunch of dudes. Like, those are great sessions. Um, today was awesome at Soups' Trails. Like, I love fall in the Northeast at Trails. Um, and it really doesn't matter who's there. Mm-hmm. Like, the last time I rode posh, it was like a Tuesday in October or no, September. Mm-hmm. It was BF, Satoski, and me. And it was. Wow. There was one other Japanese dude there, but I think the trails were a little above him, so he mm-hmm. was just chilling. Yeah. But it was three dudes over 40 riding posh on a weekday, <sighs> and it was, like, awesome, you know? Um, no but cameras, no nothing, just fun. I don't mind having a camera and getting photos, but as With long as there's time. Like, fall days, you don't have that much time, so you're either right, shooting right. or you're riding, but you're not really doing both. Shoreham back in the 90s would be a nice session mm-hmm. to revisit you know a Sunday or a Tuesday night races um, or just practice uh racing yeah, I mean yeah. yeah those money openings you talked about on deals the yeah 14 I mean those, those were awesome I mean any like Shoreham was Sundays and in the mm-hmm. summer we raced Tuesday nights that's right and then we would do like if we raced Sundays we'd go to the trails after racing mm-hmm. if it was a Tuesday night we go to Stony Brook University and ride street till two or three in the morning, and that was awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those times, and that was like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Those were, those were great. Nothing real in California. It's all like, back mm-hmm. here. I mean, those are, yeah. the best sessions I've ever had and continue to have are always back here. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, talk about your experiences with Bob and what that <clears throat> is like. Yeah, you brought up Bikes Over Baghdad. Um, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I I kind of like, I want to say a little more of like really how amazing those um, those tours are. Mm-hmm. And like, I know I touched on it, but it's you can't emphasize enough like how much that means to people over there. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen soldiers crying over there. I've mm-hmm. seen guys on the tour crying. You know, it's like, there's such an importance to um, taking those those people out of where they're at for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things is like every tour we go on, we'll be at a base and we'll be in Iraq, we'll be in Qatar, Kuwait, all these crazy places. There's someone who either used to ride BMX mm-hmm. or still rides BMX and they may even have their bike on base with them. You know, there's trips where we're in Africa and this dude walks up and it's like, you know, they know someone on the trip, you know, and they went to school with them or something. It's like, that's happened multiple times. There was someone at a show I was shooting photos of and I can't remember the name, but they raced in like upstate New York and they like, 
like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, it's like I totally remembered his name. Couldn't you recognize did? him, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, so that's awesome. It's like there's always BMXers. And you have to think the military is a lot of young people, you know, yeah. like fresh out of high school or college. You know, they're young and it's like mm-hmm. they didn't grow up with football and baseball. They grew up with, you know, action sports now. So, mm-hmm. and they're very, you know, driven, um, active people where it's like yeah that was a big part of their lives you know it's like there'll be a show and some dude is like can I hop on the bike you know and it's like there's been a couple of guys that like ripped you know it's like in boots and fatigues borrowing someone's bike and like doing tricks and it's like it's kind of scary because if they get hurt they're in big trouble but it's like they're so hyped to hop on a bike for a minute you know and it's like it's almost scary because they're like so hyped up that they're like out of control but um but yeah i mean those trips are seriously like one of the best things in bmx like outside of normal bmx Mm -hmm. you know for sure it's amazing again thank you for doing it you nate ryan there's a whole crew i mean it's like morgan wade drew bizanson michael laren um terry adams um Mm -hmm. You know, there and over the years, there's been a bunch of people who've been on them. Crandall's on them now. Catfish yeah. was on them. Mike Crans, Chad DeGroote, mm-hmm. um, a lot of dudes. That's awesome. Um, oh, Timmy, I'm sorry, but this is a long question, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what it is, but I am gonna respectfully. Uh, I'll answer it quick. All right. What is your current view on the state of BMX as it is today? Um, I don't pay attention to racing very much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I see of it, it's not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think the tracks, those crazy supercross type tracks, it's too fast to where there's not really like action. It's just whoever's got that whole shot and comes out of the first turn. After that, it's like a freight train of speed, and maybe mm-hmm. someone passes in like a rhythm section because they took something better, but it's not racing that we grew up with mm-hmm. and. Um, um, so I, I I don't care for that as much mm-hmm. as far as like freestyle trails everything on that realm it's like it's awesome you know um, mm-hmm. and I think like different people in your podcast have touched on it before it's like oh it was better back in the day it's like no it's awesome every day it's just people have their time that might be like their glory days and that was their favorite time but there's nothing better or worse now than 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know? Sure. Um, and to me, it's like the industry might not be doing great because there's, you know, less people buying stuff and a lot of companies out there, mm-hmm. but there's a ton of kids riding and the level of riding never goes backwards, you know? Right. Um, so BMX to me is, it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's in a good place. Yeah. You know, it's, um, <clears throat> all right. Who or what was the inspiration for you to create the the stew zine? Um, this is Timmy still. Couple, I don't know. Months. I think around that time there's a lot of zines out there, mm-hmm. and it's like I like shooting photos. I love magazines. Mm-hmm. It's like well, I'll make something, you know. Um, there's no like one single thing that I can think of, but um, zines were fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think in that time too, like Go went away. There's mm-hmm. only BMX Plus, which, take it for what it is, it wasn't the greatest magazine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was just dumbed down for kids and, you know, 
um, and have a lot of heart and soul to it. So I think zines were like kind of a necessity as far as, you know, people wanted more and that people wanted to create something. Mm-hmm. Like you made zines. Yeah, I did. You know? Yeah, I... And you know, I kind of feel like an idiot right now. Thinking now that you mentioned BMX Plus, um, because I want to say I I didn't take it very seriously. I didn't I didn't understand the role that BMX, a magazine like BMX Plus and the demographic they were aiming toward, how important it was. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, oh, that magazine was always like the the you know it was practically like super BMX. You know, it was like. The one no one really cared about that was really into BMX, you know. What I mean, it's it was kind of a magazine shelf gateway for a kid to get involved in BMX. So, I, I. Uh, but I don't know if it was designed to be that. I don't. I don't. I either. think it was designed to be mass. Get as many people to buy mm-hmm. as you can and stoke out the people that advertised in it. Yeah. Um. It was very dumbed down. It was for like entry level on, on mm-hmm. one sense, but it's it's like, man, you know, you could do better. Mm-hmm. There was one art director that did the layout for 15 magazines and they all looked the same. It's like, you know, put some effort into oh. making this fit what it should be, you know? Is that part of, part of High Torque, was it? Yeah, it's High Torque. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like there was just... They just didn't care. Right, it's right, like, right. you. They just didn't care about their product. Where it's like, you know, they had good photos in there, but sure. the rest of the package was horrible. You right. know, and it, it was right. written for like young kids, and there wasn't creativeness to it, and mm. it looked horrible. And it's, you know, it's like it could be so much better, but mm-hmm. it's just that's what they made. You know, and that was how it was there. Yeah. And I think from different people, it's like you can't change it. Right. So you either work there and you go with it, or you don't work there. Mm-hmm. You know that was Losi, um, right? I mean, you I mean Losi there, was right? there for years, but even people after Losi and, mm-hmm. um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I grew up on BMX Plus. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. The first magazines I got, I got like Super BMX. I got bicycle bicycles and dirt. Yeah. Like I got these early '80s magazines, but BMX Plus was one that I got a subscription to, and I never saw BMX Action or Freestyling for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, mm-hmm. reading BMX Plus and loving Radical Rick, and like, <laughs> what they fed me was right. all I knew. Mm-hmm. But the day I saw BMX Action, it changed everything for me. Yeah. And it's like, you can you can put the same stuff in, but you can package it way different. Yeah. And it, there's a clear difference of like, they care, and this is like way more real right. than this is, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it's an un- unintended consequence <clears throat> or not, I think they kind of fit that that uh, need. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. It it is dumbed down. It's geared towards like a new kid getting into it, maybe, and mm-hmm. someone who's maybe in it only for a little bit. Yeah. But we're also talking about like. I started seeing it in the 80s, and the 80s were a wild time and yeah. flashy, and, right. you know, there was, like, literally, like, articles breakdancing on your BMX, you know, and it's like, <laughs> that was, like, Flatland, but, right. you know. Yeah, some of the ads in BMX Plus in the 80s were pretty wild. Yeah, uh-huh. but then, yeah. okay, enter the 90s, enter the 2000s, the magazine is the same. It yeah. never evolved, it never no. changed, you know. No, no, you're exactly right so. about that, for sure. And even the integrity, like... I don't want to like diss those guys, but 
the editors would put themselves on the cover testing bikes. It's like, that's not, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's not good for BMX, no. you know. Well, you know what? Uh, Timmy's last question, we will diss someone. Because you don't want to diss BMX Plus. We're going to diss a person. <laughs> And right. by the way, uh, I I love all the guys that worked at BMX Plus. Like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Those, hey, those dudes are cool, and they did the best with what they had to yeah, work with. I, you I, know, I think John Kerr was awesome. Oh, right? yeah, undoubtedly. And and Mark Losey, those those are the only two I know, but yeah. those two guys were amazing. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, it's not the entire publication as a whole, but um, Timmy's question, uh, last one is person you hated racing the most. We all have one that 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 or more, and I'm gonna tell you right up front. My guess is gonna be Chill Phil for you. Um, Chill Phil was like, I love the dude off the track, on the track it was just scary. Like he could take you out for the season, not trying to take you out. You know, <laughs> right, right. Chill Phil was fast as hell and squirrely as hell. Right. You know, like right. sorry that that's how it was. You know, and like it's funny. I'm on the cover of Plus. Speaking of plus, I'm yeah, on the cover yeah. of plus with right. Chill Phil and Ryan Dobb. Right. And you could like if you take out a magnifying glass, you look at Chill <laughs> Phil's eyes, they're beat fucking red, man. And you know he would just rip one up in the parking lot before the main event. And you're like, Great, this oh is God. like this is who I'm next to on the gate, you know? Um, <laughs> but I love oh, Chill Phil. Man. Like he's one of those dudes where it's like if I saw him today, I'd be yep. stoked. But I would not want to race against him. No. Um, there was a lot of dudes like that. Like, like Billy Thompson was a a Shoreham local, oh. and he was Big Bird. He's like oh. over six foot tall. He yeah, was yeah, fast, yeah. but he could not take jumps. And it's like, right. all right, you're at South so, Park. He had a good first rate. I remember oh. like telling him in staging, we were in the same moto, mm-hmm. and I was like. If you're in front of me, and you're not going to jump that triple, Move get over. the fuck out of the way. You know, because like, he would be that guy that would lock his brakes up at the lip of the triple, the 30-foot triple. The one on the inside. And you'd crash into yeah. him. And it's like, right. come on. You know, it's like, yeah. I'd give him. He was faster, you know. But, you know, there was a lot of dudes that couldn't jump, but they were fast. Yeah. And it's like, those are the guys that ruin your day, you know. And, and, yeah, I, and I know there's probably one Timmy's thinking of. This guy, this guy from Connecticut. I'm not gonna name him, but okay. there's a dude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's I a won't. dude who was my age. Yeah. And it's like not only did I hate racing him, his dad ran my bike over by accident <gasps> at South Park one time. <laughs> oh, like no. we happened to be parked next oh, to each other. God. My Auburn. No, it wasn't Auburn. What did I have? I forget what bike it was. Mm-hmm. But my bike was laying on the ground. His dad like went to pull out, cut it too quick. And ran over my bike. So we're at South Park for the National. And it's like, my bike just got ran over. And his All right, here. frame is broken. And I ended up borrowing Ronnie Gaska's frame. Oh, or not frame, his whole bike that weekend. And after that, I ended up buying an Auburn. Because Ronnie had an Auburn. And um, We're not going to say this out loud. But, but that dude whose dad ran my bike over, he was another guy that like mm-hmm. would crash and would take you out. And it's like, I hated guys that would take you out. It's like, I like to race fair and square, like, start to finish. I'm down with elbowing and stuff, but just don't take someone out, you know? Damn it. All right, well, first what? name. No, I didn't race him. Ah, then it's got to be... <laughs> I have to know. I, I had, like, a nickname I have a long drive home. First, I, I... His first name was Scumbag to me and Timmy, you know? No. 
after the interview. He wasn't like a top known dude, so because I'm that guy s- happens to be a great guy, and yeah. yeah, and I don't think he was. I'd, I'd be surprised if it was that guy, but this guy for sure. I video of him. <laughs> no. Anyway, just a squirrely dude who was like wouldn't hesitate to take you out at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be neither of those guys then that I just. They probably don't listen to this, so we call him Scumbag Williams. That was that was what we called him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Wait, does he now live in Connecticut, but he's not no from idea. Connecticut? I, Is that what I you're saying? Literally yeah. no idea. No, he was from Connecticut. He was from Connecticut. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, no, no, not Whitey. Uh, yeah. Whitey was upstate. Whitey I was, was going to say. Whitey yeah. was awesome, that's, man. Yeah. That's why I was if thinking. If one he person, now lives in Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, if there's one person I'd love to race today, it would be Whitey. Yeah. Like, Whitey was one of yeah. those, like, really fast. We were teammates on, like, mm-hmm. Whitman's and Dan's, but, yeah. like, like you would battle with Whitey and he was like a respectful racer, yeah. you know? Like, I yeah. love racing Whitey Williams. Yeah. He's, Different he is, Williams. He's a good dude. <laughs> All right, so now we're done with the uh, Tim Strelicki segment. We're going to move on to the Chris Doyle segment. Chris uh, Doyle. Yeah. If you, had, if you had to pick one, what was your favorite cover of Snap? Um, I've said this before. I think my favorite mm-hmm. cover of Snap was my first issue. Mm-hmm. It was a gate start photo and it was, um, it was at, the Phoenix Winter Nationals ABA race, um, I posted up like right next to the gate. So whoever had gate one is who I got photos of. Right. And um, um, that photo to me was probably one of my favorite snap covers. It was my first issue. It was my first cover. Um, and to me, I wanted, I was kind of like surprised, like the name of the magazine is Snap and there hasn't been like a gate snap cover, you mm-hmm. know? So I felt like, it needed that and like I thought that would be a cool cover for my first issue and um, ended up getting some great photos Mike King was the one that we used um, and you know just the GT uniform the yellow the blue it was like mm-hmm. sun was starting to go down so the sky was cool um, next homes like Danny Nelson and all power light uniforms um, everyone like the uniforms back then were really good a lot of colors and um, the only thing I don't like is Mike King's got like a black carbon fiber helmet and that kind of ruins it for me a little bit but otherwise like I love that cover and we didn't put a lot of cover lines on it so it was pretty clean mm-hmm. um, so that one and then after that it's it's tough I'd have to look through the, like there's you know I don't know how many issues right. I did but um, my dream a lot of would great be to have too. Mike King uh, in that in that uniform that helmet clips the whole thing Next to Hans Nissen. <laughs> you love Hans Nissen. I do love Hans Nissen. I'm going to find that dude. He just got out of jail recently. Oh. Yeah, so I, he, he's accessible now. He's accessible now. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe it would be better if I... It was the VDC thing, man. You got you, you had to love the Changa. The tape, not tape not on the one the coming down, but the, the Changa VDC. Yeah, the electrical tape helmet. Yeah. yeah. Front brakes. Lo- go go loved Hounds Nissen. It would like Go did? Go magazine loved him for some reason and there would be you know, like I don't know if you remember Go, they would do they'd do like a photo sequence mm-hmm. and in the middle of the sequence they put a random photo in, you know, and it's yeah. like I remember like <laughs> I don't know if this was one that they did like that or if it was something in the news. Yeah. But they had like this photo of people on a on a roller coaster right. and they just had a circle around someone's head and it was like Hans Nissen yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I don't know if it was him or not but right. for some reason they like they loved 
doing stuff with his name or with him. Uh, and he was good at that time. He was like, you know. Truth, truth be told, the reason I liked him is he was like the underdog. He was the most, mm-hmm. he was the least predicted to do well at the ABA Grands yeah. or whatever it was. And he would just kill it. Yeah. You know, he was just this dude in pro with electrical tape on his helmet. Yes. Like, how can you not root <laughs> yeah. for that guy? <laughs> right, exactly. So that's that's why I always I always joke about him. But yeah, he, uh, he is doing well. By the way, he's doing he's doing really well. Did you know him? Um, I did not. Uh, but you probably know Nick Rodriguez, who is also a friend of Ted's, mm-hmm. and he's pretty close. Uh, well, same state, and he grew up with Hans. Okay. And, uh, he's he's doing good. Yeah, he's doing fine. It hasn't had the easiest life, but he's mm-hmm. coming through it, so um, it's good. I shot a good cover with Doyle for Transworld BMX. It mm-hmm. was um, it was a black and white film photo at Nasty's house. Um, it was with uh, Scala Film, which is like it's a slide black and white film, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was like a medium format photo, probably like Suicide Double Truck, and. Um, that was a good photo with Jeez. with Doyle. That was a cover. Wow. I don't know if I did any other Doyle covers, but that was a good one. Wow. All right. Uh, who's your favorite person to shoot with, or who has been the favorite person to shoot with besides Aiken? Um, there's so many people. Still there's from Chris like, Doyle, by the way. Um, I mean, you could... Utah alone, Fuzzy, Behringer, Doyle, Elf... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, BF, Timmy, like, there's a lot of people that are, like, good friends of mine mm-hmm. that I love shooting with for, you know, various reasons. Like, mm-hmm. all the dudes back on Long Island, like, I'd come back and always get good photos of everyone. Superfly, Tara, Ronnie Gaska, um, you know, Irochi, um... There's so many people in so many realms of BMX. Like, I always love shooting Flatland with different people, and, like, DeGroote was always awesome to shoot with. Um, any trail dudes that have, like, style, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, tricks are always good. Like, it, it just depends. I think. Um, guys who could jump, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I shot a lot of race guys. Racing is fun if you capture, like, great moments in racing right you know when like something's happening other than like a guy in in first you Mm -hmm. know if like like i remember there's a photo of zach roebuck and alan foster at at phoenix and like i don't know if it's alan or zach one of them i think it's alan like tag the jump both feet are off you know the pedals but they're still side by side going over a jump you know it's like moments like that are awesome in a race shot or like if you can get a shot of everyone over the first jump and you can see everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone's like bar to bar. Right. But one on one, like jumping shots, you know, it's like guys who could jump. Um, always favorites. Um, Stricker was always awesome to shoot with. Um, oh, too many people, really, to name. Like, it's one of those ones where it's like, man, give me 20 minutes and yeah. I'll give you 100 names. Right, you know? right. Like, there's right. a lot of people that. And I enjoy shooting with Dave Masato. Um, yeah. Did you do much with Jay Mira? Was that your? Was he still in it? In your, I got to shoot with era? Jay a lot. Um, he lived in Huntington when I first moved to California. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Jay's one of the only guys that I got hit with their bike. Like, there's been a few, but I was shooting Jay on vert. And Jay, you know how good he is on vert. It's like, you know, he's doing whatever tricks and something went wrong. And it's like, if Jay's crashing on vert, it's like he pushed the bike out. And it's like, I got hit with his bike one time. Um, but yeah, I got to shoot with Jay a bunch. Um, a lot of skate park stuff mm-hmm. a couple times up in um in vancouver mm-hmm. skate parks there did like a day in a life with him um oh, yeah cool. um, all right uh crystal last question from him please tell the story about your dad <laughs> eating shit during a race and finishing said race despite and <laughs> Despite having a broken collarbone. How did he know this? Um, <laughs> my dad's probably done Bruce. that a couple of times. My dad was like, he could take it. <laughs> yeah. And my dad raced cruiser, and he was good. Like, mm-hmm. when I started racing, I was seven. I don't know, you know, if he was in his 30s. He raced 35 and over cruiser, mm-hmm. and he was good. Like, he had a hutch cruiser. He could jump doubles. Um, I remember, like... The doubles into the third turn at Shoreham, like kind of a long low, he could jump those. Really? You know, and yeah. it's like, I remember when I was younger, um, my dad could beat me around the track. And then yeah. I remember that point where it's like, yeah. I started beating him, you know, and like that's the coming of age of like, yeah. you know. But my dad, my dad was one of those guys that loved racing, but mm-hmm. he had a job. So it's like, he didn't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And there were guys that took it a little more seriously. And my dad would race nationals, but there's guys that would like, they try to crash other guys and win. Don't my tell dad's me. out weekend, there. Weekend Ron Mackey? He didn't do it, did he? Ron Mackey was in oh. there. Um, I don't know who would be the guys that crash him. But, like, <laughs> you know, my dad would race John Rohde. And John Rohde was, like, a top dude. And my dad, you know, like, battled with him. Um, <laughs> my dad, like, didn't want to get hurt, you know. And so, right. he, you know, he's out there to have fun. And then you got guys that are a little too serious. Yeah. So that kind of, like, stopped them from racing. But mm-hmm. he... At like a Shoreham National, he crashed on the first jump, I think, broke his collarbone, got up, finished the race, and then like collapsed after the finish line. Like that was my dad. It's like he, you know, it's like he was tough, you know. Um, I remember one time he crashed and his seat hit his chest Mm. and like he bruised his heart, you know, and it's like. I had to like help I was little I had to help like drive home and then like call my mom she's at you know work or something and um so but my dad was like he was good on his cruiser yeah I guess he was (laughs) but he played it smart so I yeah and he never went for that national number one because it was like you know what I have to work on Monday right you know and there's guys that are like willing to crash to like win like screw that you know that's why I would only see him at nationals running the gate and not on the track, right? He probably switched it over. Yeah, to volunteering. he was done, you know. I gotcha. And it's scary because, like, there's times where, like, now he's in his seventies, but like, mm-hmm. I remember five years ago, my wife had like a surprise fortieth birthday party for me at Brian Castillo's um, warehouse, mm-hmm. and there's this little, you know, ramps and stuff. Where my you dad's were like the backflip, or no? I'm just but kidding. well, yeah, that birthday, yeah. but. <laughs> My parents came out, right. and my dad, like, hopped on my bike. I was like, no, no, no. don't do it, Dad. <laughs> and he, like, 
kind of went up one of the, the quarters and like, I was like, oh no. And it's like, <laughs> you can't do it anymore, dad. You know? And he got a little squirrely. He didn't fall though. But oh man, it was scary. Thank God. Is he, <laughs> is he fully retired now? Yeah. Good. Good for him. I, I believe it was the second jam. It may have been the Stephen Murray jam. Your your parents showed and it was awesome to see him. I'm, I'm pretty sure they went to both. The they John went to John Lee, Lee one and, for sure. And the... I believe they showed up for Stephen Murray too. I think they were I wasn't at that one but yeah they went up yeah. I mean my parents love BMX yeah. and um, they helped run the track forever they helped at N- NBL mm-hmm. Nationals forever they're kind of yeah. done with it but right yeah. right it was nice of them to stop by it was it was really good to see them but alright so uh, Matt Pierre from Matt Pierre 86 from Austin wants to know tell us more about the ramp you just built um, I just built a mini in my backyard we have uh, on the side of my house. There's like a paved area that would be for like RV parking, mm-hmm. and we moved into this house like three years ago, and basically moved from my other house because I wanted a backyard with enough room to have something to ride, and my wife wanted a different area where there's more places to go out for food and bars and more fun. So we ended up in um, San Juan Capistrano, which is a little bit like south of where we were, South Orange County, right on the coast. And um, I built jumps. And when we moved in, she's like, she's like, I want a ramp because she plays roller derby and she like skates. And okay. I was like, no problem, you know. Yeah, and, right. Um, ramp, you know, the ramp wasn't like the priority. Like building jumps was. Um, right. And then we just came up on this ramp basically a couple months back. This guy who um, had done work on our house, he was working on a house in Costa Mesa, and he hit us up, and he's like, hey, the tenant that moved out of here left this ramp here. Do you know anyone who wants it? And I'm like, yeah, me. So right. he's like, all right, come get it. So um, basically I had to go and like take apart this whole mini ramp, and um, that took like a full day. Brian Castillo helped me a little bit, um, and then the next day transported it, and it's like... BMX is awesome. It's like, you always know someone that can help out. So like Castillo helped me like take off some ply the first day and then moving it, Freddie Chulo Mm -hmm. does like a trucking company. So he had a giant flatbed truck. So I hit him up and then I hit up like Keith Trainer, Wildman, Robbie Miranda because they were all like local. And I was like, hey, can you guys help me like load this truck up and move it? So uh, we moved everything, but it was only like a three and a half foot um, skate mini. Mm -hmm. And... So what I did was um, I put it as far apart as I could in, in that space that I had. I built a five-foot spine and a, like a two-and-a-half-foot roller and then made one side five-foot high. The other side has like five-foot um, for half of it, like eight feet wide. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is like three-and-a-half still with a little quarter and a little roll-in. And um, my wife wanted me to leave like that so that um her like derby friends could like learn how to skate and like roll in and stuff so um i wish the ramp was a little bit bigger Mm -hmm. it's pretty tight but it's fun you know yeah like five foot with street spine is awesome so that's cool and it's it's like it's like right outside Mm -hmm. no matter what it's like ready it's waiting for you You don't have to like water it you don't have to rake it shovel it's like good to go so yeah you know whether it's an hour and a half, two hours, or ten minutes, like, I get in a lot of end-of-the-day sessions. Right. It's hard to get people to come over, though. 
Yeah. It's hard to get people to come over and ride in California. <laughs> <laughs> because they have so many places they could go. Yeah, and better places, obviously. Right. Like, nobody, nobody really cares about a five-foot mini, but... You know what blows me away, too? It's like, people that have yards... And they got nothing in it. Yeah. Like, I give Jeff Allen in Connecticut shit for this all the time. I'm like, yes. you have a big, flat backyard. It's, Why do you not have a pump track or yes. something in there? Like, yeah. your son likes to ride. You ride. Right. You know? I go to Tara's house. It's like, big yard, nothing in it. It's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. That's why I got Darren's house. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, right. Oh, man. That's the truth, too, because Jeff had, does have a perfect backyard. Yeah. And, um, you know... In this area of the states, it's like you get a little more property, and you can mm-hmm. do that. California, it's like, man, you're lucky if you have any room. So that right. that's why I have my place. Like we, you know, yeah. we got a place so that I could do that. But mm-hmm. you know, I wish more people did it. Yeah. All right, Bob, not Blob. <laughs> Bob Hammond wants to know: Past or present, two riders that still blow your mind with their riding, and why? I'd say one, but that may be too tough. So. Past or present, people that blow my mind riding. Um, DMC, like in his fifties, spinning nine hundreds, yeah. like you know, it's it's a roll of the dice for D during contests. It's like he could he could go for it and get knocked out, but if he puts mm-hmm. it together, it's awesome, you know. And he kills skate parks, like mm-hmm. he he is so good at you know fifty one, I think. Like mm-hmm. it's, he is a badass, you know, and it, mm-hmm. that's like past, present, and future is Dennis McCoy, you know. Yeah. Um, Makes him a great judge, <clears throat> right? Because he judges those park, uh, Vance Park. Uh, he helps run them. I don't. Oh. He may judge some of them, no, no, but he right. helps run them. You're, yeah. You're right. I got, <clears throat> I got the wrong thing. Yeah. I knew he was involved, but I yeah, he's kind of always had like McCoy Productions and helps mm-hmm. run the contests and stuff. Okay. Um. God, there's so many people like thought of uh timmy judge like you think way back in the past like Mm -hmm. all the photos of him doing tabletops and stuff like in the 80s you know like that still blows my mind like his his tabletops back then um it's funny it's like you see debates now like who's the best tabletop it's like that dude's name better be on the list you know um didn't like Bob, Bob Medrano have an, an amazing tabletop too, and when he was on Skyway, maybe yeah. something like that. I mean, there was so there were some really yeah good guys. Um, Aiken was always like you know one of the best to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, and even now like Chase, like there's so many dudes, but like right. there's there's a few dudes that are gonna stand the test of time, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like I think everyone knows those guys. Yeah. Um, but like Aiken, Chase Hawk, BF, you know, guys like Timmy Judge, it's like he don't, he doesn't really do it now, but right. those photos, it's like you can't beat them, you know? Right. Murphy, um, a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to do a quick Dave Pawson one, then we'll go to Ted Nelson, and we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, so Ham, all he wrote was Auburn, TNT, Hyper, or Cyclecraft? Cyclecraft. Okay. There you go, Ham. Uh, let's see, Ted Nelson. All right, he he got really into this. He started off with one question, and suddenly suddenly it developed into nine. Ooh. Yeah, um, they're gonna all be good too. I know. Yeah, that's why I was actually writing them at the trails uh, 
when you guys were finishing up because he was sending them. Sending them. He's like, if you haven't done it yet, I got one more. You know, it, it, it was awesome. It was, so I told him good timing and got them all in. He wants to know your favorite Beastie Boys album. Paul's Boutique. Yeah. All right. That was easy. <laughs> you did say Paul's Boutique, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, craziest Hotel Story. Mm, craziest Hotel Story. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like little snippets of things. It's not like mm-hmm. something like ridiculous. Right. I mean, I started John Paul's Harley in a hotel room once in Florida. Rev that a few times. Um, wow. I mean, there's like, there's so many, like, you know, we were at a, it was probably a do tour in Utah or something. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know where it could have been Portland. And it's like you go to the top of the hotel and, um, uh, who's the, um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Um, the redheaded snowboard dude, Sean, Sean White, Sean White is having like a Red Bull party in his room at the top of his hotel. And it's like, you go up in there and there's hundreds of people in there. It is rocking. And like, what does DeGroote do? He finds the thermostat and cranks it over a hundred. So it's like, after a time, you have all these people in this hotel room and it's suddenly roasting in there. You know, it's like shit like that that I didn't do, but it, it's like right, degree, right. you know. It's Or we go to, you know, we're at a bar that's, you know, in Portland and it's like half bar, half strip club, which is a lot of bars in Portland. Yeah. And like he'll find, you know, the lights and shut them all off. You know, it's like <laughs> shit like that is like classic. Um, but I remember that hotel one where it's like, yeah. oh, you just happened to turn the heat up over a hundred oh. you know and there's a couple of hundred people partying God. get sweaty real quick um the hotel rooms aren't that big either what other hotel stuff there's there's got to be so many of them Man. um we didn't really trash hotels i remember like going to a state race or something when i was younger and mm. it's like someone puts bubble bath in the in the hot tub in the yeah. lobby you know and it's right. you know the hotels back then where they had the pool in the lobby right you know and the next thing you know there's like a mountain of suds everywhere and it's broken you know bmxers are great for ruining hotels yep <clears throat> skidding down the carpets yeah. in the hallway oh yeah oh. Columbus. wall riding on where yeah oh, oh yeah geez columbus that yeah everyone's got their own story from oh, like columbus yeah. you know before there was cameras everywhere <laughs> yeah man yeah columbus was crazy and you know what was great about back uh, about back then is you didn't have to be. What is? How old do you have to be to have to get a hotel room nowadays? Twenty one, maybe. 18 maybe. I don't. Need, I, maybe twenty one. I, I think know. it's older than eighteen. I, I, I think, think my son tried and he couldn't. What's that? I think it might be twenty one. I think now. so too. And back then we were. I didn't. My parents never went. I always had my own hotel room, and I wasn't that old. I but, just. Uh, uh, I just thought of another one. Sure, go ahead. Um, I just told my aunt yesterday this mm-hmm. story. Um. We were in a hospital and um, she got stuck in the elevator the other day for a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was in France once and got stuck in an elevator. Mm-hmm. And it was at the Worlds in France. I was with the whole GT team and, you know, small elevator, definitely over 10 of us in there. Could have been 12, could have been more. Yeah. We got stuck in this elevator in this hotel in France. And when they finally got the doors open, we were like in between floors. Like there was no, there's no leaving 
the elevator. It's like if it moved, you were dead, you know, you get crushed. So right, right. it's like we're stuck. And we were in there for well over an hour. Oh, man. And you put 12 people in a small box, and it, it is like hot, claustrophobic. They had to put a fan on us outside, you know, when they got the doors open. Because, like, the floor was probably, like, six, seven feet up, yeah. you know? So they had a fan blowing in on us, but that was a rough yeah. one. Oh, and that's, that was a hotel in France. That's scary to me. <laughs> uh, best parents blue van story. Oh, man. I got two... I, I had two accidents in that van going to races. My parents had, like, a Ford Econoline. I don't mm-hmm. know what year it was. Um... One time we were driving down to Florida, and I don't know who was with me, but like my mom, a few people, mm-hmm. and um, Florida can have some like backwoods areas, you know, and we're on this road, and out of nowhere, this car is just like almost at a dead stop, trying to make a turn off the freeway onto like a dirt driveway, mm-hmm. and I had nowhere to go, so I like rear-ended that car, mm-hmm. and... It's like, you could tell this family was, like, not well off, you know, like, mm. struggling, backwoods mm. situation, and it was like, you're just waiting, you know, people are coming out of the woodworks, and it's, like, <laughs> scary, and out of nowhere, this, like, hot rod just rips out of a garage, and, like, peels <laughs> off across the lawn, onto the freeway, and takes off, like, the I don't know if they were hazard. going to get help, yeah, it was, like, the wildest scene, and then, I think I got it got a ticket for like reckless driving or something on that one um and then a real bad one we were driving to the christmas classic you know Mm -hmm. it's like christmas night in pennsylvania like Mm -hmm. middle of the night i'm driving my mom i think i wrote she was with us maybe justin lafredo like a bunch of people Mm -hmm. and there's a deer in the road and on that highway there's like a cement divider for each side you Mm -hmm. know direction Right. And, you know, those dividers are, like, six feet tall, maybe. Like, right. they're they're tall. Mm-hmm. And I just remember this deer was in the middle of it, going back and forth, trying to figure out, like, where to go. Mm-hmm. And just locked eyes with him, like, before I hit it, you know? Mm-hmm. Hit the deer. Head went through the grill. Its <sighs> ass whipped around and hit, like, the driver's side door. Mm-hmm. Shot shit all over the side of the oh, van. No. <clears throat> um, you know, it's like, blew the radiator out, like front end damage middle of the night in Pennsylvania you know had to get a tow truck uh-huh. and I remember um, I was listening to I was listening to this John Coltrane song at the time and it was like at this like super intense part of the song like right when I hit the deer um, this jazz song and then I, I remember being in the tow truck with the guy and I was like I hit that thing pretty good huh he's like you scattered it a couple hundred yards <laughs> you know so I just blew up this deer and then it's like okay you know Take the car somewhere to get fixed, rent right. a car, make it to the race, you know? Right. That was a nightmare. Oh, that was the priority. I did. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get to the race. Screw the van, man. You gotta get to the Christmas <laughs> classic. <laughs> All right, go. Like 94 or something? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, because I remember, I remember that story. Yeah. Oh, man. It sucked. All right. <laughs> we were talking about this at the trails. Best pizza outside of New York. There is none. <laughs> so after our conversation, I realized that that was going to be the answer. Yeah, I moved to California, and it's like, you don't eat pizza anymore. No. There's no delis. In and like, Italians, like, hit and miss. Um, yeah. yeah, it sucks. 
Long uh, Island Pizza. What's that? The Long Island Sorry. Pizza, man. There you best. go. Best Spike Jones commercial. Ooh. <clears throat> God, I bet there's like dozens of commercials that Spike did that you didn't know he no, did. You know, definitely not. Um, I wouldn't know. None of us would know. Oh man, I'm like, I know there's there's a few out there, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like get it wrong. But um, he did some good stuff. I mean, his music music videos were awesome too. Right. Um, I want to say there was like, maybe there's like a Nike one where they set up like middle of Manhattan or who knows what city it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden renegade style like they set up a tennis court and there's like a match in the middle of the city street you know I think Spike did that um, wow. I remember him there was one that he used that Tainted Love song mm-hmm. um, he had just yeah, it's Spike Jones. there was like yeah. ultra creative like good stuff and there's probably a lot that I don't even know was him or right. forget was his I don't remember that Ted yeah. Well, if you want to know more about Spike Jones, listen to uh, Nine Club. He had a really good interview on yeah, the Nine Club. Yeah, I haven't Club. heard that. It was good. It was real Did good. Spike give Jason Lee his like <clears throat> debut acting career? Like, I think it was in like a Sonic Sonic Youth video that they were doing or something. Well, Spike did a Sonic Youth video that had a bunch of skating in it. Yeah, and Jason <coughs> Lee was in, and I think that like sparked Jason Lee into like wanting to do acting. Oh wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, there's probably like there's probably a good amount of skaters that just being in California, like there's different connections and ties and um mm-hmm. and stuff like there was there was a um a beastie boys video that <clears throat> it was the um the gratitude video and spike didn't do that video but in the beginning there was a clip of dave Clymer crashing from like um the uh these trails in san diego that they, they took out of like a BMX video. I don't know if uh-huh. it was an Eddie Roman video or something. Yeah. But um, they ended up taking that out of the video at some point. But I always wonder, like, did Spike, like, because he knew the Beastie Boys, so did he show them that riding video and that's how that ended up in there? Yeah, right. You know? But um, I think they probably took it out because they realized, like, they didn't have rights to use it. Yeah. But <clears throat> that was in the, like, MTV 120 Minutes days where... You know, I don't know what night, Sunday night or something. Mm-hmm. It's like for two hours, it was all like alternative yeah. <clears throat> stuff. And I have it probably taped on VHS somewhere with that climber clip in it, you know. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know commercials off the top of my head to, to pull from. But his videos are great. Yeah. And films too. Right. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Are there any magazines on the newsstands that you look forward to buying these days? Um, every now and then I'll buy Monster Children. Um, <laughs> it's like a, it's kind of like a skate culture oh, okay. magazine. Um, it's, it's really rad. It's, uh, I think it's out of Australia, oh. but you can get it like Urban Outfitters or, um, oh. Barnes and Noble and stuff. Um, oh. I had a photo of Mike Aiken in one of those issues once, so that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Um, I don't buy too many magazines off the newsstand, but I look at a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look at like kind of different motorcycle, different mm-hmm. um, art, photography, just whatever. Right. Um, I haven't bought too many in a while, but it's like I'll go... I'll go months without anything and then I'll come home with like seven or eight magazines and 
yeah. spend 40 or 50 bucks, you know? <laughs> Is it normal <clears throat> to not want to throw away any magazines these days? Like, because of what... <clears throat> Because of what we have seen happen with with, you know, our sport, BMX magazines, like even these these USA BMX magazines that I get because I still hold a membership, <clears throat> like I'm afraid to throw them away. It's like it's, it's, it's like a fear that came out of all of these magazines stopping. I believe. I don't know. I've um, I've never thrown away magazines. Like I, I'm definitely a hoarder collector on that end. Like I have a giant. Mm-hmm. kind of like wall library in mm-hmm. um in my house with you know thousands of magazines mm-hmm. um i've just i've never thrown them away um but like a monster children magazine would you toss it when you're done with it or would you keep it no it's in sort of it's, it's in the collection you know okay. um i've thrown away a few things that i had no care for right but even now it's like i'll go i'll go get some tacos and there's like a free magazine there that's like got surfing and skating and stuff in mm-hmm. it and it's like have it I'm like ah, I probably don't need this but there's something that I like about it you know mm-hmm. and I, I actually had this dilemma one time and I hit up Ted and I was like Ted I have so many magazines and I'm like actually I was literally worried that I had this office on the second floor of my house yeah. that there was so much weight from them I was like this could compromise like the floor you know yeah, right, right. and um, I was like what do I do you know like <laughs> I, I need to get rid of some, but I, I can't. And his answer was something like, well, if it's inspired you or may inspire you, don't get rid of it. And I was like, well, now I'm fucked. Like, and I didn't get rid of anything. It's going to collapse. You know? So, yeah. I mean, I have, I have a lot of magazines. And there's, like, it blows me away when people get rid of them. And it, or, like, like, BMX stuff, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, all right, you're throwing away history and there's not that much out there anymore that that other people have but i i get it it's like they take up room they're heavy they're hard to move and it's like a lot of people don't look at them anymore you know Mm -hmm. and like brian castillo was over my house and he's like looking at all my magazines like why do you have these you'll never look at them i'm like actually i look at them a lot (laughs) you know and but that's me you know right all right uh let's see two more questions from ted and then we'll, we'll wrap it up uh what would be the perfect magazine in your eyes. Um, the perfect magazine would be. Would it be one sport, or would it be like multi-sport? Um, I mean, it doesn't even have or, to I'm be sorry. sport. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, not like not National Geographic's one of my favorite magazines. Like, mm-hmm. I read every issue cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at that as like, kind of adult learning, you know. Um, and as, as far as the photos, it's like, you know. I'm just blown away every issue by that. I think mm-hmm. Perfect Magazine has to have um, a lot of good photos, um, and the photos have to be like like top notch stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the rest of it, I think I think art direction and layouts important, um, but it depends on what it's all about. Like it could be a photo piece where there's hardly any words, and mm-hmm. it could be something with tons of of stories and writing and stuff. I don't know if there's a perfect one, but mm-hmm. um, definitely heavy on the photo end for me. And then the rest kind of falls into place. I think art direction is like big too. Like that's mm-hmm. to me, it's got to look good. Like you can, you can take the same photos and stories and package them different, and 
one thing's going to be way better than the other, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's huge. Yeah. All right. What do kids put on their walls nowadays, which is obviously directly related to magazines? Ted's last question. That's a good question. I have no idea. Because um, we all did it, right? Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. that's a really good question. There's yeah. stuff saved that was on my wall. Me too. I put them all in a folder. They have remnants of the scotch tape. Some of the pictures that were on my walls as a kid, like mm-hmm. behind that wall over there, in <laughs> really. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't been in a kid's bedroom. <laughs> um, literally, like I have no idea what kids are into or where they get things to put on their walls. Like, um, I don't know. I mean. Are they going to Hot Topic and getting a band poster? Are they getting, <laughs> right. you know? Um, I have no idea. My son surfs and skates, and he he cuts out he rips out pictures of surfing or ex. There's still a lot of surf magazines, so yeah. if he's buying magazines, there's skate magazines too. Like mm-hmm. they still have printed material. Right. BMX. It's like unless you're in tune with certain things, mm-hmm. you're probably not getting that issue a dig if you're a younger kid. Right. You know the the issue of dig that comes out or Delecky's thing or mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's like, so there's not too much printed BMX no. material out there for you. No. I always feel something like that, like the special issue of digs and maintain and whatever challenger, like yeah. those are people that are seeking out to get it. So they don't want to ruin it. Yep. Yeah. You and know? it's, it's older, it's older dudes, you know? Yeah. It's not um, a 12 year old who has a subscription to maintain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, and I, I just stayed at Ted's um, the other night, and mm-hmm. I stayed in his daughter Helena's room, and I didn't look at what was on her walls. But she had like <laughs> she had like bookcases with stuff on it, so maybe yeah. kids just have like bookcases with their old iPhones sitting on it or something. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Helena had a skull on one of her shelves, though. That was cool. <laughs> she has cool parents. She does. Mm, Patty and Ted definitely are are cool parents. I, I'm looking, I'm digging, you know, four hours isn't enough. I wish I had more. It's been four hours. Yeah, it, it's all closing in on it. You beat Trey Jones by quite a bit, and he'll be upset about that, and he'll be listening to this while he's ripping apart his ramp and replacing uh, Punky Wood. Sorry, no, forget <laughs> Punky, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, but anyway, yeah, he, uh, y- y- you uh, schooled him by half an hour. <laughs> Sorry, Trey. Um, but anyway, uh, anyone you'd like to thank? Any anything you you want to throw out there to close this out? Um, thanks are tough. It's like I'll, I'll I'll thank mom and dad and my sister and my wife and after that it's like everyone knows you know their part in in our friendships and I don't know BMX time. So yeah, thanks to everyone. You know, um, I don't think I have anything. To add, I mean, yeah, we're just gonna be waiting for that project of yours that you teased us all with. Well, don't hold your breath, it'll be a bit. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. This was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right.